Welcome, welcome, welcome. The Chief Zone is back. I am Farzi Vesugian alongside with Zach Steginga. Happy to have you guys downloading and listening to the podcast. Greatly appreciate everyone who has taken the time to do so. Hope you guys have been doing well. Hope you guys all had a great 4th of July. I am back in Kansas City. And we've got a lot to get into here on this episode of the Chief Stone Podcast. As I'm sure every single one of you are aware of, the entire Tyreek Hill audio from earlier this offseason has been released. Lots of reactions to that. And KCTV5, the station that first obtained the audio clip, they have taken a lot of fire for that. In fact, their news director has spoke out and the president of Meredith responded to a Chiefs fan in an email. And that did not sit well with Chiefs fans, especially me. I got a lot to talk about there. We're going to get into the Tyree Kill thing. And it will take up a good portion of the show. Uh, But other than that, we do have a lot to get into. uh, NFL.com put together a list of the top 10 teams from this decade. The Chiefs from last season made the team. But some fans are upset as to where they sat in the rankings. Other Kansas City sports news. Bubba Starling has been called up to the Kansas City Royals. Already got his first Major League base hit. Madden 99 ratings are out. One NFL team will not have a general manager and you will not believe this, uh, a cake designer completely misunderstood one mother's request. It ended up being a hilarious thing, but also resulted in a loss of a job. So we'll get to all of that and much more later on here on the Chief Stone Podcast. Again, greatly appreciate all of you guys who are joining me. Hope you all had a great and safe 4th of July. Zach Steginga is Joining me here on the podcast, Zach. How are you? How was your Fourth of July? I'm doing well. Fars. The Fourth was fun. You know, no injuries whatsoever from fireworks, so that's always good. I mean, yes. Not that we anticipated any, of course, but it's always nice to have that confirmed. No Jason Pierre Paul style incidents. No. Uh, but no, the Fourth is always great fun, man. I definitely spent you know way more on fireworks than I probably should have because I'm a grown up child. But it's fine. Uh, but it was great. Awesome. You were in Paola, correct? Yeah. We always go. You know, a little ways down south to blow stuff up because no one gets mad at it you know, down there. Uh, but you were in Vegas, yeah? Yes, uh, I was in Vegas. And by the way, uh, I appreciate everybody who reached out to me uh, during the two earthquakes that happened in California. The first one I did not feel. Um, the second one, I, uh, I it was actually a funny story. Um, did you see all the like reactions to like the NBA uh, summer mm-hmm. league game and like the Dodgers game, and they kept showing clips? And there was yeah, also they, like, a UFC the, Hall didn't of Fame. Yeah, one of the summer league games down, or yes, did they, did they shut it all down for the night or something like that? Yeah, they just shut it down. The baseball game, however, the pitcher was just like, "F it, I'm going to keep going," <laughs> which was interesting. Um, no, what's funny is my family and I we were at a bar, we were having drinks, and then after that we kind of went our own ways. Uh, I was in the casino floor. I think my brother was also at the casino floor for a bit, and he eventually got... He was pretty tired. He went upstairs to the hotel room, and my mom and dad, they were just hanging out. And so we were all in different places. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, I'm, I'm playing, you know, Wheel of Fortune slot machines, and the slot machine starts shaking. And I'm like, am I dizzy? Am I tired? What's going on? And I start looking around, and I see the signs are also going, you know, north and south. I'm like, wait a minute. I know what's going on here. And immediately, I'm... I, I mean, look... My brother and I were in our twenties, but our parents—that doesn't stop our parents from, you know, 
safety scare. Yeah, exactly. So immediately we're all trying to get in touch with one another. And my brother, because he was, you know, on his way to the hotel room, uh, they evacuated the floor. They were having people go up and down escalators. I mean, I I think they kind of overreacted for that thing. But uh, but my point is, I appreciate everyone who did reach out. Uh, That was all good. Got a lot of Twitter DMs, Facebook messages, posts, all that stuff. Uh, Very kind of those who did reach out. But other than that, uh, a couple of shakes. Uh, Vegas was a lot of fun. Um, And that's good. Good as always. Let me just say this. We, people, you know, in California, in Vegas, they complain about the heat because it's 100 and 110 degrees. I'm going to tell you something, man. 100 degrees is nothing compared to 90 degree humidity in Kansas City. It sounds kind of insane unless you have been to both of those areas. And you know what I'm talking about, with especially with the Midwest humidity. 100 degrees in the West Coast is way better than 90 degrees in the Midwest. It just is. Yep. The dry heat, man. That yeah, It's one of those things. They all say it, but it does actually have some merit to it. And it's like, I kind of forget this because I live in Kansas City, but once I go out in the West Coast and I see the 100 degrees, I'm like, is it really 100 degrees? And then I remember, oh, wait, I'm not in the Midwest right now. I'm in, a, I'm in the West Coast. Uh, right. Weather is obviously much different there. But, yeah, uh, Vegas was a lot of fun. Um, saw UFC 239. Uh, did you hear about that five-second knockout? I watched that five-second knockout. Like Those well, are always some of my favorites where you can fit the entire fight into the span of a vine or whatever they use instead of vine now. But you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was amazing. You watch it in five seconds, just like, oh, well, that was quick. And just like you know, a nice knee to the face, and down he goes. Well, the guy who lost had never lost a fight in his life. Uh, that was his first. By the way, he he went to Mizzou, which Mizzou has a phenomenal wrestling program. And that guy, you know, two-time NCAA champion Ben Askren is his name. And my dad's more of a casual UFC fan. He had known about Ben Askren. And I told him, I'm, I was like, you got to see this guy. I'm excited to see him. And I, like the one fight, I, Amanda Nunes is one of my favorites. But Ben Askren, I was so stoked to see in person. And I only saw five seconds of that. So... That sucked, but um, no. Pretty brutal five seconds, though. Yeah, I mean, I that guess, was... Yeah, to be a guy who has never been, you know, never lost a fight, I mean, I guess it's, you know, it certainly goes to prove the classic. I mean, I know it's Mike Tyson, who is a boxer, not a USC fighter, so it's not quite the same, but it's, you know, proof that everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face. Yeah. Um, or in this case, need in the face, and then it's just, you know, lights out. I'm sure you've been to, like, Chiefs games or Royals games after, like, a really nice play. They show the replay once or twice. Mm-hmm. Because Ben Askren was knocked out for a long time they just replayed that basically the entire fight in like slow motion and regular speed so many times it's like man it Wait, is but brutal so they were doing this as it. he's still sitting there just in a heap what's that were they doing this like in the arena while he's still like yeah like, sitting i mean there look in the, a heap oh yeah i mean you you still the show has to go on you know the production team still has to show reaction it got to the point where they Show too many reactions. They actually show Joe Rogan's reaction on the video board, and people love that at the arena because obviously you can't hear the announcers. But uh, yeah, I think a lot I of have fun. A feeling what he would have reacted with, but oh, I'm sure probably not safe to say on the podcast. So I will. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, Vegas was a lot of fun. Hopefully, you guys all had a great Fourth of July and have enjoyed the past uh, couple of weeks. I know it's been a while since we've last done a podcast, and a lot has happened since then, Zach. Uh, Okay, let's just set this up for a moment. The entire Tyree Kill audio is out, and KCTV5 is under a lot of fire. So here's what we're going to do. If you have not heard the Tyree Kill audio, I'm going to do what both the local radio stations have done, 810 and 610. 
uh, we are going to play this audio clip. Uh, if you have never heard this, you've, you will recognize certain parts, but you're going to notice that they are from completely different parts of the audio. So clearly, KCTV5 knew what they omitted. We're, we're going to get into that. Uh, also, the other thing, uh, I'm, I'm going to play the entire six and a half, seven minute clip of KCTV5 news director Casey Clark speaking because he had a lot of things he had to answer for and you're probably not going to like his reactions and I still think it's going to be very important that you hear that. So uh, if you want to listen to both the Tyree Kill audio and the Channel 5 uh, interview with Casey Clark, go ahead and listen to it. If not, go ahead and skip the next 18 minutes of this podcast. Really, really want you to sit. I'm telling you, I'm sitting and thinking. No, you're not. You're just you're okay, you're not thinking about it. You're tell not. You're not thinking tell about it. Tell me what happened. He called. He, he said, "Daddy," because we were getting into it, and he said, "Daddy, you're me." So we walked up the stairs, right? and, and you said, say, come, back. "Come back down here." Right. And he didn't want to go down there, but right. I was like, "Go down there right. because it'll end up worse for you." Right. So he walked down there, and then you were getting on his ass about. And then you said something, right? No, you kept getting on, and then he started crying. And then you were like, stop, shut, shut up, shut up, stop crying. Right. Stop, stop crying, stop crying. Right. And then he kept crying because he was scared. He's terrified. And what, you grabbed That's onto scary. him somehow, or he fell, one of the two. I didn't do nothing. That's sad, bro. That is really sad. Then why does bro. say daddy did it? Why? Why does say daddy did it? He says daddy does a lot of things. Like what? A three-year-old's not going to lie about what happened to his arm. Right, right. Like I said, I got to But before y'all had moved here, none, none of this. I broke the arm. I beat women. None of that. Because I don't do none of that That 2014 Oh, OD. That's a lot, too. On me, that's a lot. But you sitting here calling me a bitch and but everything that's what else. That's is, bro. Ruin my life, and you lied on me in 2014. And How I'm did still I over that. lie about? I didn't about... touch you in 2014. I ain't, and I can put that on everything I love, bro. That's the real truth. I... Okay, and then saying that you're gonna take get custody of that's not gonna do. That's the real truth. That's really. Uh, where business class? And if you want to rewind that night, we can rewind that night too. You was in my house. And, and, and did I pick you up and slam you? Hell no, I picked you up and put you out my door. And after that, you left. And on my son, you did that, bro. And and, and, and then when you get in the courtroom, you want to sit up there and cry on the stand. He hit me. He, man, come on, bro. Then where did the bruises come from, Tyreek? Did I hit you? Where did the bruises come did from? Did I hit you, though? I'm asking you, where did, did the you? bruises come did from? Did I hit you, though? Did I hit you? Tell the truth. Tell me the truth in my you're, eyes. Right no, now. you're Look not. You're not thinking about what Look had me. happened. Look at me. The, that Look we're me. not thinking about that no, right no, now. The no, issue no, no, is no. We are gonna handle both of these issues right now while it's on my chest because it still hurt over that, bro. And you don't think that this hurts me? And, and when you walked outside and turned around, what, what you had said? Are you sure you're done with me? And what I had said? You can go home, and we done. And all no, my you didn't what? do that. What? Because why? Gonna, why did look. we get into the argument in the first place? What happened? What? Why did we get in the argument in the first place? Which one? 2014? Yes. I don't even remember why, for real. Exactly. Do you remember? Yes, why? I remember why. Why? Because you, you took my phone and you went into the bathroom and you were texting 
the dude that was saying that who you house? who who house you was in you came to my house unwanted that day what you came to no my house. Yes, we did. literally you you picked me up because we left I the no 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 because we were stop. gonna go we were gonna stop. go to the movies relax, relax. because we relax, were gonna go watch relax. the new um whatever all, it's I, called twi or the new hunger games first of all i didn't pick you up because you drove over there i remember that because followed you out the the house that day and then I, that's when i came after you was like you know what i'm saying i came at the and you was like are we done i was like yeah we're done then next thing i know four hours later the police come knocking on my like, hey what? we have an arrest for tari here you beat it i'm like man what the no oh, oh, me, we had just got done having sex and you took my phone and you went into the bathroom. We're going this way. I did take your phone and I go in the bathroom. And then that's when I picked you up and told you you can leave, right? And then I put you outside. No, you questioned me about it. You're like, but why is this person? Did I ever punch you in your face and your lip? Did I? No, I did not. Bro. You had your hand around my neck. No, I did not, bro. No, I. And, and that's the sad part that we. No. Now I want you to sit on this flight and think about that that night. How about that? Since you want to bring break something up. Okay, I will. I will sit on this flight and I will think about that. But I honestly want you to think about what that night between me and you getting into an argument about the way you yeah, disciplined disciplines. Right. And even that CPS lady says that it's you. You don't do it correctly. Okay, I will listen. I will listen. But like I said, though. No, but you're not listening to me. Think about why a freaking three-year-old would tell everybody and anybody that you broke his arm. Why would do that? I'm then the, why? I'm the only one that plays with him. Maybe that's why you don't do with him. I'm the one that get physical with it. No, I play with a hell of a lot more than you do. You just sit on your game all the damn time. That's all you need to do. So don't sit here and tell me I don't play with. You right. You're right, bro. Like I said, I'm sorry for whatever happened. I obviously did this. This wasn't a match made in heaven right here. You know what I'm saying? We don't need no beef. No, we don't. But I don't. We, you really, really, really need to think about why says somebody somebody broke his arm and every single time he says it's you know, and then if i look at him he'll change his story because he because like he's telling the truth then bro and that's sad bro like, so, and then the you sit here I, and I tell me program, bro. no and then you sit here and tell me that I, i'm not writing for you Okay, you can believe that all you want, okay, but Bags are carrying you. Okay, I'll be asking you for security questions related to your baggages. Who owns all the bags and the contents? We both own them. I own this one. She owns this one. Who packed it? Who did the packing of the bags? We, we both, both did. We both did the packing. Okay. 
after the packing was done, until now, where have the bags been? Taxi. But always with you? Yes. Did any other person give you anything to carry to US? No. Anything you guys are carrying which is electronic or battery operated? Uh, in this bag, camera. Anything else? Laptop, Camera, iPad? drone, and a uh, laptop. Okay, have any of those been out of your possession? No. Anything you guys are carrying which is in a powder format? Powder form? Yep. No. Enjoy it. You gotta get on your ass to get the whole truth out. You're not getting on my ass, Harry. Like, yeah, you told me the truth finally, bro. See, I like when you finally tell me the truth, bro. You no, because yeah, if I would have said that the first time, if I would have said that the very first time to you when this whole allegation got brought oh, up, you, supposed to say, you, still tell me the truth, you would have gone crazy. You still, you still, you, you still supposed to tell the truth though, right? That's what somebody wife's supposed to do. And I'm telling you the truth. And I, I'm telling you the truth from the beginning. I didn't do anything with you. Like three times. Three times. Call, right? No. With calling them, and now somehow this investigation got brought back up, and you're about to lose your. So now I really want you to sit and think about it because I rode for you against nah. that detective and the CPS people and they said time and time again that literally kept saying daddy punches me, which you do when he starts crying. What do you do? You make him open up his arms and you punch him in the chest. And then if he gets in trouble, you get the belt out and you okay, do. Okay, so what about you? You, you? What you don't do? You, also, I'm just going to take it. No, I you told you. Don't be him that he gets whooped. I told him that he gets whooped, but I don't use a belt, which is totally you different. You do use a belt, and that's sad. Even my mama said you use a belt. When have I used a belt? When have you seen me use a belt with When have I used a belt? You got it. See, there you go, getting loud. You want everybody to see us in the world. No, I don't, but I'm asking you. Thumbs up, Crystal. Thumbs up to you, bro. Sometimes I just wish I would I wish I would have never had sex with you. I wish I didn't know that. None of that. I wish we had kids. Like, my life is supposed to be a whole lot easier right now, bro. 2014 wasn't supposed to happen. None of that. But I put my hand on my neck. But I, I broke my son's arm. Come on. Let's be real, bro. Let's be real. Yeah, let's be real. You know how I am with kids. And you know how I am with I'm very hard. But I would never, ever hurt my son in, in, in life. Look, he is terrified of you, and you say that he respects you, but it's not—it's not, it's not respect. Me. It's terrified. He is terrified you of terrified? you. You need to be terrified of me too, dumb bitch. That's why you can't keep this man. He's terrified of you. He's terrified of you. You've said that before. That's fine. Sad, bro. That really gotta go to those parameters just to like get through to me because you always think somebody terrified of me. No, he's not. If you ask, you will okay. say if he's, he's scared if, of you. If he's terrified of me, we was in that Pearson gym with all those kids. Then, then what, huh? What he's three. That? Oh my god. Then there's the, the excuse is everywhere, everywhere, everywhere we go, my son loves on me. Everywhere we go. And then when we get home, what and is we, it? And when we get home, it's for real. It's it's serious time. It's time to lock in because he know I don't play. I want my son to learn respect something that that uh, you did not teach teach our son and something that he will get his ass ran over in his work. Because, first of all, our son is black. These white folks don't give a f 
talk about our kids. They don't, and you know that, bro, and that's sad, bro. These things could have been handled a lot differently with him than the way that they have been now. Right. And these twins. Right. You got it, bro. I just let you have it. I just let you. All right, you heard the entire 11-minute conversation between Tyreek Hill and Crystal Espinal. Yes, it ended kind of abrupt right there, but that is the full audio that has been shared throughout the week. Now, here is the interview that KCTV5 sports director Danny Welniak did with her boss, the news director of Channel 5, Casey Clark. Good evening, everyone, and thank you so much for joining us. I'm Danny Wolniak. Now, we're going to start the show a little bit differently tonight. Yesterday, you heard the full 11-minute recording of Tyreek Hill and his fiancée, Crystal Espinal, speaking in an airport. Months earlier, KCTV5 made the decision to air parts of that recording, but did not make the full tape available. That was an effort headed by the investigative team and other members of management, not the sports department. Many of you were upset and have been asking to hear from us about the reasoning behind that decision. I want you to know that we've heard and we understand the calls for an explanation. And that's exactly what we want to give you. But we wanted you to be the ones to ask the questions, not me. So tonight, we took the questions that you asked us most online and we'll get them answered for you live right here on our show right now. So our news director, Casey Clark, will join us. He's one of the people closest to handling that tape. And Casey, the biggest question people want to know right now is why was that full audio not made available? Well, let's let's take a minute to think about what exactly the the time parameters were when we released that. Um, We had gotten the audio delivered to us on, I believe it was Sunday, and the person who gave it to us did not give us permission at that time to air it. They gave us permission to verify it. So we spent a few days making sure that the people on the audio were, in fact, Crystal and Tyreek. And, um, and then after the district attorney on Wednesday said that he believed a crime had been committed but he could not prosecute, that's when our source came back to us and said, you can run with the audio. So the following day, that's what we did. And being that it was specifically about the relationship that Crystal and Tyreek had with their son and the mess that that had become, the story was focused on that. Casey, the part of the audio discussing their relationship in 2014, many have argued that that part is newsworthy. Just today, we heard that opinion on national radio, locally, including in a column in the Casey Star. What explanation can you offer as to why that piece of audio was considered not newsworthy? It's fair. It's fair. We, we debated it a lot. Um, I would say the biggest thing is when you listen to it in its totality, there's a lot talking about their parenting style and what happened in that tumultuous threesome. Um, And then they go off and talk about uh, what happened in 2014. Our feeling on it was that 2014 had been asked and answered. He pleaded guilty and he, up to this point, had never publicly claimed anything having to do with him being falsely accused, wrongly prosecuted. He pleaded guilty. So, the fact that they went off onto a tangent, and, and it sounds like uh, a marital argument, uh, it didn't have relevance to, and I understand some people disagree with us, but we make editorial calls every day, and that was an editorial call. Why not release it in full to allow the public to make their own opinions on it? Uh, again, a, a good question. Um, 
Maybe it's a generational thing for me, but first and foremost, I'm not a digital first guy. I've been doing this for 30 years, and, and I think TV first. Um, and when you take anything raw and post it online, there are unintended consequences. And we tried to think through a bunch of those. And one of the first ones that really bothered me was we didn't know if our source could be identified by the audio if we posted it in its entirety. The audio that we have has a very distinct beginning and a very distinct end. And if we posted it in its entirety, Crystal probably would know who was the person that shared it with us. So that was the first thing. The other thing is, there's a disturbing part in there where Tyreek talks about not wanting to have children. And I, as a dad, looked at that and said, I would hate to have something like that live in perpetuity on the internet. And, and I just, I couldn't live with myself if we had taken a chunk of something like that and given it life forever. So I just felt like it was better for us if we took the parts that were relevant, put them on the news. We're not a blog. We're not 24-hour talk radio. We are journalists. We make editorial calls every day. We decide what to keep and what not to keep all the time. And that's where we drew the line. So what, if anything, would you do differently? Um, what would I do differently? It's a good question. Um, I'd say we'd probably uh, be more transparent up front um, once we aired the audio of what some of the stuff was that we were holding back and why. Um, because now everybody's kind of up in, a, up in a tizzy about, oh, my God, there's this four-minute chunk that, that we never heard before. Um, but, I mean, there was, we did play a little teeny snippet of that at the end of our second piece, which aired at 10 o'clock on Thursday, the 25th of April, um, where he does mention 2014, and he does say to her something along the lines of, uh, he questions her motives and whether or not she's in this for the money. We did keep that in there because we thought that that was relevant because we, too, have questions about her motivation for uh, making this audio. And Angie said right up front a few times that it was, as we understood it, her insurance policy. She wanted to make sure that she had something to fall back on if the relationship fell apart. The last thing I want to ask you, going forward for any of our viewers, what would you say to them? I would say that I would hope that you would take a look at the body of our work, what we do in totality. I mean, Angie Ricono, who's getting lit up online, is a great journalist. For those of you who live in Jackson County, you can thank her directly for how much work she's done to try to roll back your property taxes. She's done two weeks of amazing work that the county commissioners have looked at and said, you know, there's a problem here. She personally got a, a guy who, um, who should not be performing private autopsies thrown in jail. I mean, she's doing good journalistic work. And the reason I'm standing here is because the buck stops with me. So I'm here, not Angie, because ultimately it was my call. Casey, thank you so much. We'll be right back with more of your sports headlines. All right. That is a, a lot to, to take in. Um, let's go one by one, Zach, because there's a, I mean, I, I, I want to get into everything. You guys know me. I will jump into the pool and, and discuss everything at once. But for the purposes of this podcast and for the purpose of a discussion, we got to break things down one by one. I'll get to Channel 5 in a minute because I'm pretty angry about that. But let's slowly get there. Let's just talk about this audio right now. The biggest thing that we learned here is that the 2014 incident, to me, it needs to be 
reviewed by who i don't know i'm not a legal expert i will say this from legal experts who have commented on this unfortunately in the justice system that we have sometimes to avoid jail time or in tyreek kill's case uh to not jeopardize his football career you've got to plead guilty to uh to 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 whatever he was accused of and a lot of people are talking about the fact that you know you're a college student he's also black and she is native american celestial is native american and they're they're, they're going to take that into account as well i'm not saying it's right but that's just the way our justice system works that's what a lot of people have been saying um here's the thing that if you heard Tyreek Hill is telling her at one point says look me in the eyes did I hit you yes or no and she doesn't she does say no but she doesn't say no to the question she's just saying no I'm not having this discussion she doesn't answer the question Zach um keep in mind this is important Tyreek Hill does not know he's being recorded and that is key because if he did know he was being recorded with a with with an audio tape or a camera, then perhaps we'd say, okay, he's trying to save face. However, he doesn't know this, and he's saying this. Whatever Crystal Espinal's goal was in this whole recording, especially with the full audio out, it completely backfired uh, right back at her face. Yeah, it absolutely did. And I mean, don't get me wrong; none of this is looks good for anybody like it just doesn't and i agree the biggest you know the biggest loser sadly in this situation as has been really the case the entire time is the kid uh you know sadly you know these kids are going to be out there you know they're going to grow up at some point and they're going to you know get a hold of this audio at some point and they're going to have to hear their dad you know say to their mom that they would you know that he wished he had never had kids with them which in theory you know makes it look like yep Wish those kids had never been born. In theory, yeah. like I know that's not obviously the exact sentiment, but you know they're the real losers here, and we can't forget that. But as far as the you know context of the tape here, like, wouldn't you think that if if someone's asking you to your face, like, hey, yeah, did I hit you? Really? Like, really? You can just like you can kind of hear that tone in his voice when you listen to the recording there, and maybe that's you know maybe I'm misinterpreting it, but I don't think so in this particular case. Because, um, you know, he's just like, really? Come on, man, is the general, like, tone of what he's saying. And then there's no answer. It just kind of tapers off. And so I, I don't want to jump to conclusions because, again, as we've proven many, many times in this, this, as this case has continued to unfold, like, there's always more that we're not going to know. And yeah. I don't think we're ever going to really get the full story because, really, there's only two people who do know the entire story front to back you know all the way back to 2014 and otherwise and that's Tyreek and Crystal and you know un- that's just the unfortunate fact of the matter uh you can find you know you can cut this up all sorts of different ways to you know justify one viewpoint or another but realistically like the truth is not you know it's not really something that we all have access to here because it's just a little bit muddy we have little bit of pieces to put it together but it's never going to give us the entirely full picture so I mean I think that, you know, it was certainly disingenuous to have had everything reported on the way that it was with, you know, omitting some of these key pieces that I think that, you know, well, again, it's not necessarily good for anybody. It certainly gives Tyreek a bit more of a leg to stand on than he previously had. So, yeah, apologies for rambling a little on that, but it's just a, you know, it's a frustrating thing to see happen when you don't get the full story, you get the piece that someone wanted you to see. 
Well, here's the thing. Uh, and by the way, I should probably set this up how the full audio was obtained. Uh, I think it was 610 Sports Radio's afternoon show. Uh, they had obtained the audio for this. And I, I can't remember when they received the audio. I, I think they said before 4th of July. Um, did you like hear that. the story about this, Zach? Yeah, I think they said they had gotten it. You know, It was either before the 4th or maybe towards the end of June. I don't remember exactly the timeline, but... okay. I know they sat on it for a little while while they were verifying everything and you know really doing their diligence on that because I mean especially yeah. I mean to to break something the first time is one thing but to come out and essentially like kind of re-break it in some ways like I feel like that has to take even more vetting if I'm not mistaken I mean I'm no journalism major here so like I haven't spent a lot of time in that world but generally speaking I you know if you're gonna call someone out as not having done their job right, you better have real solid evidence to back that up. At least that would make sense to me as a normal, you know, normal average person. Well, what they were what they were waiting for, I think, Entercom, which owns six ten, uh, the Entercom building at um, in Kansas City. It's actually in I think Shawnee to be exact, or Prairie yeah, it's Village, right off Shawnee Mission Parkway. Okay, I used to work there, so I should know this, but I don't. Um, but uh, I mean, you've got KMBZ there. Six ten is there. Uh, the Rock, The Buzz, if you listen to music and radio in Kansas City, I mean, that's Entercom, just to give everyone an idea. I think Entercom Corporate got involved, and their lawyers got involved, and pretty much the higher-ups, a lot of people got involved to pretty much touch base on this to say it's okay to go ahead and, and, and go through with it. If you notice KCTV5, when they first aired this, only the two, minute, the two minutes that they aired, they did bleep out the name of the boy, and I think the name of other people, which I couldn't really pick up on that. It was kind of hard to understand certain parts, but uh, there are a few times where they bleep out F-bombs, and rightfully so, but that's uh, why you heard so many bleeps is because they kept saying the name of their three, or who I believe is four now, according to Chris Chris Espinal's social media, but um, yeah, this is, uh, as you said, the kids, uh, the, the twins are now born, and now there's this big issue of Crystal Espinal wanting to uh, uh, gain full custody of all the kids and also wanting a DNA test of some sort, which is interesting. But anyway, going back to 610, they were all over the story uh, last week, and they had Tyreek Hill's roommate, an Oklahoma State football player. He was a guest on their show. I cannot remember his name, uh, so I apologize for not having that, but... He spoke out and he said Tyreek Hill absolutely did not hit her. And I guess the night when this whole thing went down, allegedly, she told Tyreek Hill and his roommate and a couple of other guys who were there that if anyone touches her, she's going to call the police. This is according to Tyreek Hill's roommate. Uh, somebody with the on the uh, on Twitter with the account Juco Football Frenzy uh, quote: "I know Tyreek Hill personally. Played against him in Juco." Was his host on my visit before he chose West Alabama. My school back uh, off cause of that case. Uh, he then said he never put his hands on that woman. America is so quick to side with the with the women in domestic violence cases. Especially when, uh, and I didn't see the rest of his tweet. But he, he, he wrote multiple tweets responding to himself. But the main picture there, he, he's basically... Standing up for Tyreek saying he didn't do it. Now you have people from Tyreek Hill's past out of nowhere saying he didn't do this. And, I mean, Tyreek Hill, he, he, he pleaded guilty. He spoke to the media and said it's a lesson learned. It is a, an awful mistake that he, he 
learned from and will never do again. And with this whole child abuse accusation taking place now, so many people use that past incident as evidence. I'm not saying it's right, but people said because this guy had committed this kind of act before, therefore it's likely he did it again. And that's why so many people are angry as we kind of move over to KCTV 5's act with, with what they did. The fact that they omitted a very important part of this audio. Uh, Casey Clark, the news director, as, as I'm sure you guys heard, a uh, couple different things he said. Let's start with this. The part where he, where he was asked, why did you think it was not newsworthy? And he said they debated it a lot, but he goes, quote, our feeling on it was 2014 had been asked and answered. He pleaded guilty up to this point, never claimed anything of being falsely accused or wrongly prosecuted. He pleaded guilty. And then he kind of cuts himself off. He says it didn't have relevance to, but then he stops and goes on this he's rambling about how they make editorial calls in the newsroom. He's basically trying to say it didn't have relevance to what their story was, which the very first answer he gave, he said this uh, whole 2014 discussion, being that it was specifically about the relationship with Crystal and Tyreek uh, and their son, the story was focused on that. He's basically admitting, Zach, there was an agenda, without saying there was an agenda. I mean, a little bit, yeah. And they, I guess the one thing that, you know, I'll say specifically to the part where you said, you know, it felt like 2014 had been asked and answered. He pleaded guilty. And up to this point, he never claimed of being falsely accused or wrongly prosecuted. The one you know thing that I'll do here to you know, just kind of play devil's advocate on that is. So put yourself in you know Tyreek's position if you're able. Um, you know, it's been documented that he had one defense attorney previously who had worked with a lot of other Oklahoma State athletes at one point or another. Uh, but. Then somewhere in the middle of the case, he ended up having to switch defense attorneys to the public defender, which essentially means like he couldn't afford the expensive defense attorney, so he took the one that the state provided to him. Um, And in some of these cases, especially if you think of where he was at the time, you know, he still, of course, has NFL aspirations, um, and he wants to just get this incident put behind him as quickly as possible. And so I think that that's, you know, between the combination of having the public defender, you know, as his defense attorney at that point, um, and just wanting to get the case over with, I can understand the desire to take that plea deal and just move on. Um, and, you know, the to the point of him never claiming about being falsely accused or wrongly prosecuted, again, it comes to wanting to put it behind him. And so, you know, if this is indeed the case, I mean, I can absolutely understand where he would have not brought that up up to this point where it's starting to get a little bit messy. Do I think that that seems, you know, kind of amazingly convenient at the time? I mean, I don't know. It's it's one of those things that I really just am, you know, I, I'm going to be so gun-shy to come to any real hard judgment on this case anymore just because, I mean, I was one of the many who was like, yeah, get him off the team, so to speak. I you was know, too. And like, and so I guess that was just a very humbling experience. And I think that that's, you know, a potential point of good that can come of this is like everybody, you know, Let's be real. We all, a lot of us, rushed to judgment pretty quickly. Some didn't, and good for you on it. But you know, based on the information at hand, which of course did change over time, uh, you know, some you know some tweets didn't age well. I think I saw you tweeting about that. Far as like some things that you had <laughs> tweeted out in you know response to the incident at the time, and how you know now with additional information, it's a different. You would have said something different, and that's that's okay. That's human. We all screw that up. Yeah. But to you know do that when you're a journalist and you have you know, I mean, what is the point of journalism, right? It's to be the source of truth 
for the entire society, right? And to have you know portions of that truth you know skewed in one fashion or another is a gross miscarriage of your duty as a journalist at that point. That's just my opinion, not as a journalist, obviously, but you know, as someone who consumes news, like, damn it, we rely on you for this sort of stuff. Like, that, that's exactly what I wanted to get into. I, let, let me say that you brought up the tweet, by the way. I was I was still at work when this audio came out, so I was kind of in the dark for about an hour, ninety minutes. Um, so I, I mean, I'm, in, I'm getting ready to leave work, so I pull up my phone just to see what's in the news and all. And everyone is replying to that tweet from April, uh, in which I'm tweeting Angie Ricono, the investigative reporter, which we haven't even mentioned her name yet. Um, and all of a sudden, I'm like, why are people responding to this? And I see what's going on. And I'm like, oh, yeah, my tweet. I was basically asking her a question about the audio and did they hand it off to the Johnson County DA, which she responded to me and said, yes. I said, thank you for your answer and uh, good job on your reporting is what I said. So, yeah, of course, that, that, that didn't age well. well. No, no, not, not, in, not in the least bit. Somebody – at the time, like, you know, with the information you had at hand, you know what, that was a perfectly reasonable thing. Like, that's one of the things that drives me kind of crazy about Twitter and social media in general is, like, yeah, I can go dig up stuff from, you know, 2014 if I wanted to or even further back than that. And is that indicative of who I am or how I think today? Nope, probably not. Uh, you know, I think that the context absolutely matters in the you know notion that you can't, you know, change change your opinions in the face of new information is patently ridiculous. Well, so, here's the thing. You, that's my soapbox. You you brought this up, and I need to say something on this, because this made me really angry. And honestly, a, a lot angrier than the whole Kevin Keatsman. I mean, look, the thing with Keatsman, with the comment he made, it's like, you know, we just kind of expected it from him. Okay, I should, I should refresh. We didn't expect him to say that, but we weren't shocked at the least bit. Um, it yeah, was just that was the his worst foot thing in his he mouth said. As a professional, like that's his. It's just what he does. This case, however, it's like, wait a minute, you're look. When a lot of people turn off their TVs and turn them back on again, usually the channel gets reset to you know one of the single digits, three, four, five, whatever. So people are automatically on KCTV five when they turn their TV back on again. A lot of people are watching Chiefs games, which a majority of them are on KCTV five. So. They can, I, I, I'm not familiar with local TV ratings, local news ratings, but I think being a CBS network, I think KCTV5 does dominate the local ratings pretty well. Here's my thing. When you are working a journalism job in Kansas City, if you are an investigative reporter, this is not a rookie covering the story. Angie Ricono, I mean, you can just tell by looking at her, I mean, she's been around the block for a long time in the industry. So when they had a lawyer, I believe it was a lawyer, uh, who came live on TV to talk about the audio when they first released just the two minutes of it. And then when she said that, okay, we're going to hand the rest of the audio off to the Johnson County DA, I said, look, it's, a, it's an investigative journalist in a respectable-sized market, and the Johnson County DA has the audio. So if they don't think the other nine minutes are interesting or newsworthy, I'm going to believe it. A lot of people believed it. And now it's just, I'm angry that they made us believe them in that manner. And look, I'm not I'm out of the DA. It's not his job to publish these things. He's not a reporter. The NFL supposedly had the entire audio. It's not their job to publish the entire audio. Uh, but what I will say right now is, man, um, Casey Clark, I, I mean, the, the excuses, he, he never, two things from that audio, Zach, he never apologized for it. And 
There was absolutely zero accountability there. He kept saying at one point, um, Angie Ricona was getting lit up online. She's a great journalist. And he's bragging about her most recent story. Uh, I don't know if you saw this, uh, where she's calling out, um, I, I think uh, Frank White uh, had a hand in this, where she's calling out uh, some people who are forcing Jackson County residents to pay more than they should on property taxes. He's like, oh, she's uh, Jackson County should be happy uh, with her report. This is not a time for you to brag about what she's done a good job of. This is a pretty serious matter where you put someone in a very dark light. And I will say this in her defense, Casey Clark did say it was his call, not hers. But I still think she has to suffer some consequences for it. Casey Clark needs to be fired. The guy says, I'm not a digital first guy. Dude, you've been in TV for 30 years. I get that. But this is 2019. How can you say you're not a digital first guy? And he says he didn't want to publish the audio because they're not 24-7 talk radio. No one said you are 24-7 talk radio. 610 isn't. And they still publish the entire audio. They It's online. Um, just really, really bad by KCTV5. This is just flat out defamation, Zach. It was dirty and in the paint defamation. And that's what makes me so angry that they did this to Tyreek Hill because they only showed one side of a story. I mean, not knowing the you know legal standard for defamation, I recognize that it's different from libel and that you know one requires malice. And I'm not sure if defamation does or not. I get them mixed up sometimes. Uh, but regardless, it's just, I mean, I think that, you know, I don't necessarily think that it's wrong that he brings up some of the other good work that she's done. You know, you don't need to you know, absolutely barbecue someone for everything here. But by the same token, you got to have accountability. You can't just like wipe it under the rug either. There was like, none of it. Know, if, and if you just like own up to it, like I'm totally OK with like You don't think that, you know, this is an absolutely you know powerful lesson for everybody involved there, too. I mean, it has to be right. Uh, I mean, I really, you know. I guess I just don't want to think about what it would look like if they were like, yeah, no, we're cool with, we're, we're, we're proud of what we've done here. Like, I can't imagine that to be the case because, yeah, it just doesn't make any logical sense whatsoever. Um, but I don't think that it's necessarily the sort of thing that, you know, people need to just get absolutely lit up for. You know, they should, you know, face the music on this story, but that shouldn't prevent them from, you know, continuing to do their job as long as they've, you know, learned from it, owned up to it. And, you know, committed to improve in the future to prevent something like this from ever happening again. Because realistically, the after effects of this are going to be pretty hefty in terms of, you know, generally speaking, you know, at least at the moment in this country, you can pretty much rely on some like the big national media outlets, you know, to put a little bit of a skew on one side or another. Uh, you know, they'll report certain bits of a story to make, you know, to, to kind of advance their point. But as a terribly general rule, I, at least, you know, as your average, you know, you know, average person here who's not super familiar with the journalism world beyond, you know, as a consumer. Uh, you know, I generally think, like, local news is pretty much like, yep, here's the facts, and, you know, maybe there's a little bit of a spin, but nothing like this. Like, I don't know, just, I, I understand, you know, where he mentioned the desire to not want to have the uh, part where Tyreek said he didn't want to be a father with Crystal or whatever. Like, that's going to hurt for the kid, and I totally understand not wanting that out there. That makes sense, but... None of the, you know, especially the part where, you know, he brings up 2014 and the way that that all went down and her responses to it. Like, you can't tell me that's not newsworthy. No, 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 no. no. It's, it's, well, what's weird, you mentioned, okay, look, I'm not a parent. Um, I'm obviously a son to two people. Um, but the whole thing where, you know, he has ethics about, you know, thinking about Tyreek's kids and what they might think. 
But all of a sudden, when it comes to how Tyree Kill is going to look, you don't have ethics there. Uh, I get it. You know, when kids are involved, you got to be very cautious about these kinds of things when you move forward. But that doesn't mean you you go one sided about it all. Um, that's what was so frustrating to me. Uh, I'm just trying to look through my notes here to see if I forgot anything else with all of this because I mean I want to make sure I, I have this whole thing covered because. Look, as someone who's worked uh, for the Kansas City Star for 610 Sports, I've interned at 810, I've interned for a TV, I don't have a lot of familiarity with TV. Let me say this about news directors, man. They can sometimes be some of the worst people to work with. They really are. Um, I don't mean that for every single news director, but a lot of people, they basically, the, the reporters come in. And they just, the news director like treats them like slaves. Hey, go here, do this, bring it back to me in three hours or else. And it's like, they're very difficult people to work with sometimes. Um, I mean, I get it. Deadlines are a thing. And I, I also recognize the fact that sometimes when you're being, you know, trying to be quick about something, you can miss some nuance, but especially with the amount of time that they sat on this. And like you mentioned, like some of it, like it's not like you just you know chopped the ends off of the conversation. Like you cut out guts of the middle and put it all together as if it was all together at the beginning. Exactly. Like that's the part yes. that's really throwing me here. Like I'm not you know I could do enough to edit you know my chunk of the podcast, for example. Like I mean I'm glad you do it, but it's yeah you know, I could you know splice stuff if I needed to. Like it's not that difficult, uh, at least with Audacity, which is nice. But to you know how disingenuous is that? You have a full cut recording and you you know chop little chunks out of it to you know essentially fit your narrative a little more neatly um and i understand you know, editing for time like that's i get that but and, and it's not necessarily wrong to you know cut stuff out of the middle if you provide the context like you know if you know we go off on a tangent for a minute and you cut that like that's one thing but if it leads closely into the next you know next subject like you provide a little bit of context you distill the long rant into like a couple of seconds and then you move forward like I just don't understand how they fought, felt like this was a good idea. Uh, I forgot what to mention one thing, uh, just kind of going through my notes here. Uh, so Angie Ricona was asked why the full audio was not published on Twitter. She responded to someone saying uh, not newsworthy, but she also mentioned that there were, quote, intimate conversations. Conversations, plural right there. There were not intimate conversations. Crystal Espinal was trying to remind Tyreek of a specific event. She remembers the exact movie, the, the time they went to go see that movie, and and she she there was obviously an intimate moment. She mentioned, "Oh, hey, we just had sex." That's not what intimate conversations means. She's just trying to remind him of a specific moment. Um, so that was just a blatant lie. And like, let's be real here. I think everybody knew, even without that in the audio. Like, we kind of knew. Like, guess what? Yeah, There's a course. child involved. Like, we all know how the birds and the bees operate. This is <laughs> yeah. not hard. Look, I mean, is it TMI? Okay, I suppose. But it, it, only a child would, you know, focus just solely on that part of the conversation. So I, I thought that was just really bad on their end right there, uh, knowing what we know now. Um, the other thing, listen, I know a lot of people from KCTV5 follow me on Twitter, and I've had discussions with them privately on social media and whatnot. Uh, some really cool people there. Uh, and by the way, I did mention a couple months ago, Dante Jones. I don't know if you follow him, Zach. He's a producer for Channel 5. Really cool dude. Uh, mm -hmm. I've had conversations with him. We've exchanged numbers. We've texted and all. Um, I was going to have him come on the podcast, but when the whole uh, audio came out, 
I just felt like uh, I I said he was going to come on the podcast and he agreed to, but he and I spoke and it was just not, you know, fair to put him in that spot. I know he would not do that if I was in that position. So look, uh, I don't know if we're going to ever have him or anyone from KCTV5 on this podcast again. Uh, And I know I'm being critical of their bosses, uh, but that guy needs to get fired. Casey Clark, the news director. I think Andrew Ricardo should suffer some sort of uh, consequence for for all I think a suspension at the most, uh, but but that news director's got to go. He knew what he was omitting, and he's not really regretting any of it. Uh, by the way, Zach, really important because I'm seeing Tom Martin, who is a sports reporter, and Danny Welniak, who's also a sports reporter for Channel Five, get lit up on social media. They have zero part of the audio coverage that was published. That, that was not their doing. That was Andrew Racono, an investigative reporter, who did it. I did it. like how uh, Danny you know, Quick slid that in at the beginning yeah, I, of the interview, too. She's like, hey, whoa, exactly. not our deal. Like, this guy is the one to ask the questions of, and that's why I'm going to ask him all of your questions, but yeah, this was I not agree. us. Look, I mean, I don't want to speak for them, but deep down inside, even they have to be like, look, you're making us look really bad, and we didn't do nothing. Uh, which is totally unfair. People are saying, you know, uh, the Chiefs should ban all of KCTV5. No. First of all, the only person who should be banned is Angie Racono. Second of all, I don't think Angie Racono has any reason ever to apply for Chiefs credentials. So the person that you want to ban for life probably doesn't even care to ever get media credentials again for a Chiefs event. Well, and I think that it's also, you know, I understand the you know raw emotion of the moment and wanting to call for like sure, yeah sure. the Chiefs should absolutely you know ban them from you know all future because you know look what they did and I I, I understand the emotional response that that people is. said the but, same thing for a ten with the Keatsman thing right and it's I mean let's be honest that's ridiculous because that's a very very slippery slope to hey you only get to have a credential if you publish the stuff we want you to publish like that's a very slippery slope and none of us want that either. Like, yeah, so I understand the emotional response, but, like, let's walk it back a step or two. Like, that's a, you know, let's not get crazy. Uh, by the way, KCTV5, they are already, well, at least in my opinion, they're suffering the consequences. Um, Tom Martin and Dana and Hughes, they both tweeted they will not be hosting Chiefs Rewind. I'll be honest, I don't know what that is. I know because a lot of the Chiefs games are on Channel 5. They have these pre- and post-game shows um, on there. So I don't know. I mean, it's it says Chiefs Rewind, so I'm guessing it's a recap show. But Tom Martin and Dan and Hughes both tweeted uh, th- that they're not going to be back doing so. Uh, and then Tom Martin wrote on Twitter, uh, no need to connect imaginary dots. Basically saying it has nothing to do with the full audio being published. Yet they're announcing this um, the day the entire audio came out, and they're claiming last week they were informed. They will not be hosting. So I don't know if I Which buy is, that one bit. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case. Like, it just, you know, then you have this also come out. I mean, like, look, if they were more closely involved with the situation, that's one thing. But, you know, if this is just a case of really poor timing, like, I'm okay with, you know, he, he's suggesting not to connect imaginary dots. Like, I, I think I'll probably take a bit his word on that front just because, I mean, it's not like they were responsible in any way for this story. And I don't think that getting rid of them does anything to remove, you know, the kind of temporary black eye that KCTV5 has for the moment. Okay, here's something important. Uh, People don't know this, and that's okay. That's why we're here. Um, 
KCTV5 is not owned by CBS. 41 Action News is not owned by NBC. Uh, There are parent companies for that. For example, Meredith owns Channel 5. Scripps owns Channel 41. Uh, Tribune owns, uh, I think, uh, Fox 4 in Kansas City. And I can't... uh, Hearst. It's either them or Sinclair, yeah. Yeah, Hearst owns uh, Channel 9. And there are a lot of other companies out there owning different TV stations across the country. Anyway, my point is... Somebody emailed the president of Meredith, a Chiefs fan, and I don't know who. Uh, I just saw the screenshot go around on social media. Um, but Patrick McCreary, who was the president of Meredith, received an email basically calling for Casey Clark's job. He then responds and says, Thank you for the email. While I appreciate your passion and your First Amendment right to voice your opinion, I am not comfortable with you advocating for anyone's termination. I suspect you would not appreciate me calling your employer demanding that you be fired. Here is our formal statement on the matter. Meredith supports investigative journalism and stands by KCTV's editorial decision to air segments of the audio recording about the current child abuse investigation. KCTV determined the portions regarding Tyreek Hill's 2014 guilty plea for domestic abuse were not relevant to child abuse allegations, which is wrong because people are using that as to form an opinion about what they think happened with Tyreek Hill's, uh, this current child abuse thing. If there was child abuse, I'm not saying it's right, but that's how uh, public notion okay. works. We we can't pretend that, you know, our reaction to this wouldn't have been different if the 2014 incident had never been in the public eye. Like, if no one knew about that, I think that there would have been a bit more benefit of the doubt. Maybe not, like, a lot, because, again, like, it was a very natural reaction, and I think you know, it's the right default to, you know, side with the kid, so to speak, and, like, you know, understand, like, you know what, I don't care what either parent does for a living or otherwise, like, you know, let's figure out, get to the bottom of it, and move forward from there. But in this particular case, the fact that, you know, there was that domestic violence charge already hanging over it, like, I think that's why you saw just the sheer, I guess, you know, visceral reaction from most people in response to this story airing. Like, you know, you look at it as... Oh, well, he was a domestic abuser in college, and now he's abusing his kid. Like, you know, let's just absolutely hang him out to dry. Um, and, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 let me just wrap this up, because in the uh, in that letter that he's responding to the to the fan, he also goes, you may find this column from the Kansas City Star interesting. And it's basically a column that's saying the Tyreek Hill audio makes him look worse. And then he says, if there's any disciplinary action, we'll handle it ourselves with dignity, respect and dignity. And he, he's responding to this person talking about their employer. It's like, look, your station screwed up and you're trying to twist the story back to this person who has every right to complain about this. Because, again, we all had formed an opinion based on what KCTV5 provided for us. And the fact that someone from the higher up, the highest possible, the president is saying, <clears throat> excuse me, that we, that we stand by KCTV5. That makes me more upset than the coverage, to be honest with you. For me, the thing is not necessarily so much how they're standing behind it, but the fact that, like, really where I just kind of, you know, you just you can't do anything but shake your head as you look at it and you realize, like, hey, you might find this column from the KC Star interesting. And it's also, it's an editorial. Like, I mean, I get it. Like, you, you those can be used to, you know, kind of explain things as well. But in this case, it wasn't. It was saying, like, hey, look, you know, we understand, but really, like, hey, this still looks bad for Tyreek, too. Uh, like, this really doesn't, you know, exonerate him in any way, which, which I'm not claiming that it does, either. Let's be clear on that. 
Um, you know, I'm not trying to make a legal judgment one way or the other on this. Uh, I just think it's ridiculous the way that, you know, there hasn't been a lot of information, you know, the, the information has not been particularly forthcoming. Uh, and I think that's a disappointment. But the other thing that I just take a little bit of issue with in that letter, it's like, you know, well, if there's any disciplinary action to be taken, we're going to do that confidentially with respect and dignity, just as I'm sure you would want your employer to do if you were facing any disciplinary action. And like, I get that. By the same token, if I absolutely botch something in my job, and a customer calls my boss, and they're like, hey, this guy's really bad at his job. You should probably fire him. It's not, you know... You're not that, a public figure. It's not wrong. Right. And, well, and I understand where, you know, where he's, where McCreary is coming from. He's like, you know, I'm not comfortable with you advocating for anyone's termination. It's like, well, I kind of get that. You know, I get it. Stick up for your people as a boss. It's a good, you know, it's the right way to do things. But at the same time, like... Again, if you're a boss and someone on your team has royally screwed something up, you still hold them to account for that. You might not fire them, but you at least hold them to account and you don't just totally dismiss it out of hand, which it feels like, I mean, certainly the way that that note reads, it is very dismissive. And I think that that uh, definitely didn't do him any favors either. I don't think any action's going to come of it, but, you know, it's certainly not a good look for him or Meredith. Look, uh, I'll just say that, I mean, this this thing really sucks. Um but it's also a learning lesson here. Uh, a lot of us jump to conclusions. You and I both have admitted to that. Uh, some people not wanting to admit that. I mean, whatever. Uh, but look, I've seen Chiefs fans fight and almost want to kill each other online because of difference of opinions on this matter. Uh, th- I mean, this led to Kevin Keatsman's termination because he said something. Or By the way, uh, if KCTV5 does publish the whole audio, he probably still keeps his job and kind of a funny way which look i don't mean to make jokes of this whole matter it's it's not funny at all but it is a little funny when you look at how keatsman is also kind of a victim of what kctv5 did uh but it's it led to his termination and channel 5 obviously has displayed terrible journalism in their coverage of this and i think that's really the long-term fundamental issue that they're going to have to work really hard to rebuild the public trust on that um you know if you have another incident along these lines where you know you it's you know something very high profile and people you know if you have reporters omitting information that later proves to be in the public you know interest it's not a good look at all and ultimately it is a dereliction of your duty as a journalist that's just my you know opinion on this but again we as the general public and i count myself as part of this because i'm not a journalist you know we rely on journalists to at least give us, you know, as clear of a you know, version of the facts as we can get. You know, more information is generally better. I understand, you know, the need to be brief and concise in, you know, in the case of TV, you know, you got to fit yeah. certain time slots. Like, that is I understand that. And so, you know, sometimes the way that our current, you know, media climate works, you know, there's not a lot of room for nuance, but it's important. It's really important. And I think this is, this case is a textbook example of why it's important. Yeah, and it's just, yeah, TV's a very strict, people may not know this, but, you know, if you watch, like, a reality TV show and you're wondering, man, why don't they show much more? Well, you only have 40 minutes if it's an hour-long show. When you consider commercials, you know, they can't show every, everything on an edited television show like that. This is kind of like the same thing. They can't show you everything, but... That's why we have this digital platform we have in 2019, and he didn't feel the need to want to use that, which, uh, I mean, that you should be fired for just based off that alone, which is insane. But look, I know last podcast, Zach, we spent a lot of time talking about Keatsman and what he Mm -hmm. did, and we spent a lot of time on this episode 
talking about KCTV5. Obviously, it's not our intent. Uh, I enjoy discussions like this, journalism discussions, because I think it is important to look at these issues and learn from it and see as consumers, as as as, as audience members, how do we learn what we trust and, and what not to trust. But uh, it's obviously not my goal to discuss these things so much on a podcast. And unfortunately, this Tyree Kill matter has turned into that on multiple occasions, which not really a fun thing. That's my last thing I want to say on that subject. Before we move on, I'll let you have the last comment I mean, I if you have that- anything. Yeah, I think that the important part, you know, here, the where the parallels can be drawn between, you know, Keatsman and this situation, I think really it's, I mean, while obviously the mistakes are what they are, it's another textbook example of, like, you know what, people will forgive mistakes as a terribly general rule, but when you don't have any level of contrition whatsoever, that's when you're getting yourself into some trouble, and we, you know, like we talked about on the last podcast, like, uh, I don't think you could characterize any of Keatsman's responses to the backlash that he received as uh, contrite in any way. It was more like, "Hey, I'm you know, I'm sorry you were too stupid to understand what I meant." Like that's really kind of how I interpreted him. <laughs> that was pretty bad. Maybe I'm wrong, but I mean, it is what it is. Uh, that's how I interpreted him. And in this case, it's like uh, you know, we we m- mistakes were made, just not by me or anybody else on my team. They were just made by you know. Who knows? They but they were made. I just like, hope no. Take some damn responsibility for your actions. Own up to it. Apologize. Exactly. For it, fix it. Yeah. I, I just hope everybody involved, whether you get fired or you keep your jobs here, uh, I just hope everyone's learned a lesson in this whole the, the way you cover a story like this. Um, it's it's not easy. We we learn that for sure. But then also as fans in like you know, in the position that you and I are in. You know, we have a little bit of a platform more so than the average fan, I suppose. Sure, but, yeah. You know, it's important to you know take a step back and not just you know react immediately and jump to conclusions. I'm guilty like, of that, one hundred percent. And I think that you know, realistically, maybe there's a small handful of people who you know, were absolutely just you know measured from the beginning. And if that's the case, man, props to you for you know being you know that measured in your approach to things. Like that's admirable. That's awesome. But recognizing that we're still human. You know, we we do jump to emotional conclusions. It's what we do. It's like in our nature. And so, you know, I think that it's important to use this as a lesson to just take a step back and really consider all the facts before you dive in on, you know, one take or another. Uh, We're going to move away from this journalism discussion. One more important note on Tyreek Hill, though. There is still business to be done if you're the Chiefs. Yes, there is an important matter involving how he was covered and the kids involved and the what Crystal Espinel filed for. Yes, that's important. Obviously, personal matters mean more. At the same time, business cannot be put on pause. You can't freeze this stuff. The Chiefs, they've got to look out for themselves as well at this point. There was a contract extension that was almost offered to Tyreek Hill. And maybe you can still give it to him at some point this year. Maybe you wait until after the season. But let me just ask you this, Zach, because we know that they do share a son together. I guess there was a question as to who the father of the twins are. That's, again, we're, we're not going to get into that. But my point is, they have at least one kid together. And that's their, um, now, he was three, now he's a four-year-old. Um, even if they're no longer together, which... Is apparently that's what's out there. Even if Tyreek Hill and Crystal Espinal are not out there, they're still part of each other's lives because they share a kid. The reason I'm bringing this up is if you're going to extend Tyreek Hill, 
Does this mean you're also extending Crystal Espinal? Because that's been talked about a lot in the media this week. If you sign Tyree Kill for five more years, does this mean five more years of back and forth drama with this woman? Or are we going to be at a point where this is all squashed and done? Because the Chiefs, again, yeah, Tyree Kill is amazing and all, but they've got to look out for themselves for public image. Because look, the Larry Johnson incidents, the Javon Belcher incident, the Kareem Hunt incident... I mean, the Chiefs really want to try to move away from this stuff as much as possible. It's not easy. The Frank Clark trade, the timing on that was terrible. Um, you got to be very uh, cautious of that when considering giving an extension to Tyreek Hill. Absolutely, and I think that, you know, realistically, I think he'll still get extended. I don't think it'll be anywhere near the rate he would have previously commanded. You know, if you had extended him, say, at the end of last year, long before any of this stuff hit you'd be in a different position for sure. Um, but I think realistically he'll still get extended at a slightly lesser rate, but there's going to be really heavy stipulations that essentially, you know, the chiefs are going to put in a bunch of clauses to protect themselves in the event of some storm like this ever happening again. If it does, I imagine the chiefs will write something in to where it's like, yep, if we have a storm like this ever again, you're cut and that's that. You've made the money that you've made, but you will not make another dime from us. Yeah, I I'm think sure there will be some clause along those lines. I mean, obviously, you got to have it lawyered up and you, know, yes. you translate yeah. what I've just said into legalese, but that's I'm sure that's what's going to happen. But it, it cannot be understated to the fact that it will be at a lesser rate no matter what. Yeah, that's you got to make fact. sure you have that in the language in the contract because, th- look, teams got to look out for themselves at this point. Uh, that that's um that's an important matter to um to be aware of. And uh, if he is you know completely blameless in all of this, then yes, in theory, you're going to have a guy who just absolutely was a victim of circumstance get paid much less than he's in theory worth. But that's just the reality of the situation. And I think that you know to your point earlier about you know defamation, I think that that certainly would qualify. You know the whatever delta between what he was you know likely going to be offered versus what he will you know, likely signed for, like, I don't see any reason not to try to recoup that from some of the journalists involved in this particular case. That's just my opinion. I don't know how that all works. And obviously it's, you know, way more legal fees than it's probably worth, but you know, just my two cents on it. Let's move on from this. Uh, NFL.com came out with a list that Chiefs fans weren't necessarily too happy about. It is the top 10 teams of the decade, which, you know, we still have a little bit of time left in this decade. Kansas City was ranked number nine on this list. Uh, number one, the 2013 Seattle Seahawks. They won the Super Bowl. The 2015 Panthers, they lost the Super Bowl to the Broncos. 2017 Eagles with Nick Foles, they beat the Patriots. They came in at number three. Number four, the Patriots. The Patriots team that came back against the Falcons down 25 points. They're number four on the list. The 2013 Broncos shattered so many records but got blown out to the Seahawks, making number one on the list. They're number five. The Cardinals from 2015, I almost forgot about this. They made it to the NFC Championship game pretty fairly recently, 2015. They're number six. The 2012 49ers, who lost in the Super Bowl when Colin Kaepernick took over, they're number 12. The Packers from 2011, they lost in the divisional round against the Giants. They also made the list. And then coming in number nine, last year's Kansas City Chiefs team, and then number 10, the 2017 Jaguars that lost in the AFC Championship game. Tremendous defense from the Jaguars that year. But a lot of Chiefs fans are upset. How is it that the third highest scoring offense in NFL history was number nine? 
and they were basically an offsides call away from the Super Bowl. Well, if you look at this, Zach, yeah, the offense was historic. Patrick Mahomes did something no one has ever done at that age. 50 touchdowns, 5,000 yards. Basically, his rookie year in the NFL, essentially, uh, Tyreek Hill uh, set a, a big uh, record for receiving yards in franchise history. Travis Kelsey had a historic season for a tight end, which was broken 30 minutes later. Uh, however, you can't just look at the good and not let the bad outweigh it. Uh, the Chiefs, at the end of the day, were pretty bad defensively. And by the way, if you look at how NFL.com made this list, they went through all 10 teams. They mentioned positives and some negatives. So in the Chiefs' case, they mentioned how they were the third highest scoring team in NFL history. Um, they had done some things uh, that no one's ever done this decade or one of the best from this decade. But they also mentioned that they were uh, the 31st ranked defense in the NFL. When you look at some of the other teams, for example, the 2013 Seahawks, number one in total defense, but they were also 18th in total offense, yet they won a Super Bowl and they made number one on the list. So all 10 of these teams, a lot of good and bad. Maybe I'd put the Chiefs a little higher, and again, that's just off memory. I'd have to look back and revisit all these 10 teams. Um, But I don't think it's, you know, the fact they didn't even win a Super Bowl, I think it's a little generous to even put them in the top 10, to be honest with you. That's, That's where I'm at as well, realistically. So as I'm looking at the list, you know, of the 10, there are three that did not make it to a Super Bowl, and that is the 2011 Packers, who came in at eighth, the 2018 Chiefs, and the 2017 Jags. Uh, well, keep in mind the 2015 and, Cardinals; they're also on the list. They didn't make the Super Bowl either. Oh yeah, I guess I did. So four that. teams, right. but still, so, to your point, but four. But you know, point being that you know what, I don't think it's totally off base to suggest that you know what, it wouldn't have been too ridiculous to say the top 10 teams of the decade are the ones that made the Super Bowl in the decade or won the Super Bowl in the decade. Like, that's not a ridiculous thought. Um, I mean, I understand, obviously, there's some nuance there, and there's, you know, you get flukes every year where someone, you know, the best team doesn't always win the Super Bowl, if that makes sense. You know, it's someone who got hot at the right time and whatnot, and I understand that for what it is, but I don't think it's ridiculous at all to think that, you know, honestly, I'm just proud that the offense was so good in that case that, Look, they were able to carry a team that was like 31st ranked in defense to still be one of the top 10 teams of the decade. Like, I don't think there's any issue with that. And also, like, don't we have way bigger things to worry about? Like, we got a Super Bowl to win. Let's not worry about this for now. It's kind of like power rankings. Fans get so upset over power rankings. And I honestly think power rankings are some of the dumbest things on the internet. It's primarily opinion. Like, it's what it is. Like, you and I could give our power rankings every week, and people would get pissed off about it every time. Because, like it or not, like, you and I are going to value things differently. You know, maybe I think it matters more to have a good defense than you do. I'm not saying that's the case, because it's not. Yeah, But, you know, for the sake of argument here, like, you know, you might care way more about one thing than I do, and that's that. Like, you know, there's always, like, a small handful of teams that are objectively better than everybody else. So, like, last year, for example... You know, it was really the four teams in their respective championship games. It was the Chiefs, the Saints, the Patriots, and the Rams. That's just, you know, those were objectively better than most other NFL teams last year with the possible inclusion of the Chargers from last year who were really, really good. Um, But, you know, you can quibble about the order that those are in, but really, like, we can all agree, like, yep, that's probably the top five teams in the NFL right there. Those, you know, the four teams that were in their respective championship games plus the Chargers. Like, I don't think that's totally ridiculous to say, but... 
we're going to quibble over, you know, which is first, second, third, fourth, fifth. Like, who cares? To me, with the power ranking things, it's like people think power rankings should be, you know, who has the best record all the way down to who has the worst record. If that's what you think of power rankings, just go to NFL.com and sort the uh, the standings by uh, worst to first, or excuse me, uh, from... Uh, first two worst for the entire league. There, <laughs> you you got your power rankings right there. I don't know why you care for anyone mm-hmm. else's opinion. Well, and that's the thing. It's like, you know, there's a reason we call these power rankings and we call the other standings. Because let's be real, you know, you can play a really, you know, weak schedule and be 5-0, and but really not be that great of a team. And then you're, you know, positioned to fall apart. Or like, you know, a few years back when the Chiefs were 0-5 to start the season and still made the playoffs, like, they were they had a rough run at the beginning, but they were still a very good team. And so I think that yeah. you know it's important to take all of these things into account. But like it or not, the nature of these lists is no one's ever going to be you know completely you know happy about this. Like the you know it's like whenever you're trying to predict the future, you can guarantee one thing that you're going to be wrong in some capacity. Uh, and in this case, it's a lot like that. You know, you're not going to please everybody ever. That's just how it is. They were one in five that year, but I mean, still, I mean, might as well have been zero and five with how bad it was. They did lose five in a row after Sorry, starting did I say one. No, zero and five. Yeah, I did bad. say zero and five. Whoops. No, it's all good. You um, meant what I knew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think everyone knows what you meant. Um, but yeah, look, I mean, it's just a list. Uh, I, and again, like to your point about how a, a team might start five and zero with a weak schedule. I mean, yeah, I agree. Maybe you could put other teams above them if they're 4-1 and one and playing really tough teams. But at the same time, it's like, you know, I just have a hard thing with power rankings where, you know, if you're 5-0, and oh, it's not easy to go 5-0 and oh ever. I understand a weak schedule, you know, it can do good for you. But come playoff time, yeah, maybe. But even then, you know, I think you still got to give credit where credit's due. I know the Chiefs were criticized during that 9-0 and oh start in 2013 for a weak schedule. Man, I'll, t- I'll I'll say this so many times. Some of the teams they beat during that nine and zero run, they got blown out by the previous season, and they were doing some damage on them in twenty thirteen. So um, that's just where I stand on that. Did you have anything else you wanted to add, or you're good to move no, on? No, I think that we, we've beat that horse to death. All right, great. Uh, here's something we got to d- definitely discuss before we move on and read some of our text messages. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you saw this, Zach, but NFL owners want an 18-game season and limit players to just 16 games, which is complete BS. New CBA on the way. Look, NFL owners want to implement this 16-game limit for players because they know that if if they have players play 18 games, they're going to want to redo their contracts. The other side of it is you have to decide which two games are you going to bench Patrick Mahomes. Look, imagine that, you know, you and I, we spend a bunch of money uh, on tickets, parking, food, and drinks, and then 90 minutes before kickoff, the inactives come out, and it's Patrick Mahomes because the Chiefs are playing the worst team in the NFL, the Jets, for example. Now, here's what happens. If the Chiefs lose a game where they decided to make Patrick Mahomes inactive, Andy Reid's going to get lit up by the media and by fans. People are going to say, how could you be so overconfident like that when the reality is you you would have to bench him for two games. You can't just play him for all 18, which again, this is why this is such a dumb rule. Now you're playing this game of chess as to, you know, you got to decide which move you're going to make and when you're going to make them. And even then, you know, I know NFL owners want another home game and all. And to have 18 games, which even then you, I think you have to implement two by weeks. Then you turn a 17 week 
season regular season to 20 weeks and I don't know look you you shouldn't get paid for just games there are players who are coming in to practice and these practices they can be grueling on 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 football players they really can be so I'm not a big fan of this now NFLPA executive director Demoris Smith he already came out shutting this down saying quote it is not in the best interest of our players and even if you if you if they did move on with this you would have to heavily expand your 53-man roster to Maybe 70, uh, because if you're going to have to start limiting players, which again is a dumb thought, uh, you better have a lot of players on your roster if if you're going to have this dumb limitation. Uh, this is just a terrible idea. I, I mean, I don't know who thought it was a good idea for the NFL turning into a chess match. That's not what this is. And quite honestly, I hope this never comes to fruition. It won't. I mean, realistically, you know, this is the, you know, I always use the metaphor of, you know, a child looking for a pet, right? You know, if you want a cat, you ask for a pony. And then all of a sudden, the cat <laughs> looks, by comparison, very reasonable. Um, and I think that's really what the owners are doing here. Like, this is, you know, an idea that was tossed out to be a concession and be like, yep, we'll see, we we moved back on the 18-game season, so you guys can move back on, you know, your percentage of the total pot or something like that. Like, that's what this is. I don't think anybody realistically thinks that it's going to be, you know, something they would actually implement. But then again, the NFL's done a lot of dumb things in the past that I never thought would happen. So, you know, I should probably walk that statement back just a little bit. But realistically, I don't think that's ever going to happen. Certainly not with the 16 game limit, though. I do think that that adds an intriguing element to the game because as I'm looking at our schedule last year, like, you know, which game do you bench Patrick Mahomes? And like all of a sudden at that point, like having the full 53, so to speak, or like you said, you you definitely have to have more than 53 on the roster. But, you know, the depth comes so much more into play there. And that's that's an interesting angle. Uh, I think that that's, you know, it's not necessarily, if you're going to do an 18-game season, that's, you know, not totally the dumbest thing I've ever heard. It's close, but, like, I could also see that being kind of interesting from a fan perspective as well. But realistically, once you, you know, it's fun to think about in theory, but once you account for the fact that, you know, there's money attached to this stuff, which of course there is, the players are never going to go for it ever, Yeah. You know, period, full stop. It's never going to happen. It generated a little bit of buzz, which I know Goodell likes because it extends, well, or limits the offseason essentially. Like, you know, the way they look at it from a media perspective, there's no offseason for the NFL. I mean, heck, we're doing this podcast here in July, so that tells you something right away. But, yeah, I think that it's exactly that. It's a publicity stunt, and it's like the kid asking for a pony instead of a cat. Well, the other thing, too, is, you know, like, for example, the Chiefs and Packers are set to play. And I know we're still in the 16-game format. This is just an idea for now. But let's say the Packers and the um, and the uh, Chiefs, they play each other on Sunday Night Football this year. If the Packers are dealing with all these injuries and if they're currently winless when the Chiefs are undefeated, that would be a great time to bench Patrick Mahomes. But that's a Sunday night game. Nobody wants it with all due respect. Nobody wants to watch Chad Henney on Sunday night football. And look, I don't even like I think there would be even pressure on coaches like uh, this is primetime football. Do we really want to bench our guy? I mean, look. At the end of the day, they don't give a damn. The NFL does, though, because they want to make sure their ratings are up. Andy Reid doesn't care what the ratings are. He cares about finding a way to win. Um, it's just going to open up so many can of worms that never needed to be opened in the first place. And it's just going to be a mess from the get-go. I, I just want to know like who who thought that lo- this was such a logical idea and thought, man, 
the players are going to be just fine with this. They'll approve of it. The NFLPA will approve of it. Like, who thought of this? No, again, it's like, you know, I'm going to go back to the pony analogy. Like, the kid has never once thought of, like, hmm, where am I going to put a pony? You know, how am I going to clean up after, after said pony? It's like, no, I already have a litter box bought. I want a cat, but I'm going to ask for a pony so that way mom and dad say yes. Like, that's that's all this is, man. And, you know, it's a cool media frenzy for a minute, but, yeah, not a chance. Let's go ahead and read some text messages. Uh, got uh, three. By the way, we did. I got an email um, from a listener, Dominic. He, uh, I, I responded to him before we recorded. Uh, he uh, came up with this cool idea to go game by game and maybe not spend too much time on each game, but just basically do like an early prediction. I was going to do that for this podcast, but obviously, as you guys know, there was a big uh, Tyreek Hill update, so... Uh, we're going to actually try to do that next week on uh, next week's episode, uh, which won't be not this coming Thursday, but the Thursday after that. Uh, that's the next time. So in a week and a half, we'll do our next podcast. But uh, appreciate the thought from Dominic, the email he sent. Uh, got a couple of text messages. Let's read the first one from the 580. Do you think last year's defense was a lack of talent or bad scheme? Uh, a coworker and I, we were arguing about this and I wanted your guys' input. Love the show. Jeremy from Oklahoma. Thank you for loving the show. Jeremy from Oklahoma. As far as last year's defense, lack of talent or bad scheme. I think it could be a mixture of both. I think more so. It's an easy answer to give and say, Hey, it's both. Um, but I think it was more so bad scheme because look, Bob Sutton just had no idea what he was doing at the same time. I think we've got to be fair and say, look, if Orlando Skandrick can hold on to a football, the Rams don't go and win that football game. If, you know, players can wrap up and tackle properly and not allow broken tackles to take place, you know, the defense probably ends up being a little bit better, too. So, yeah, it is a mixture of both, but I think it's more so a bad scheme. I, I, I agree that it is a bad scheme, especially with the unwillingness to adjust. But part of the importance here, too, is like, so Bob Sutton was, you know, he always wanted to play press man coverage. I get that. You know, if that's your, that's your thing, you stick to it. I understand it's what you know. And at this point, or, you know, at the end of last year, like he was very much the old dog that was not learning any new tricks. But there is, it, it, talent is incredibly important. And there are some people who could fit into just about any scheme regardless because they're that talented. And then there's, you know, a much bigger pool of talent that, you know, can be moved around to minimize their shortfalls and maximize their strengths. And so, like, you know, it's like, you know, you drop Justin Houston back in coverage. Why? You don't, because it's stupid, but Bob Sutton did it anyway. So that's a bad scheme uh, and not making the best use of the talent. So I understand where, you know, both sides are coming from here. I think ultimately it was the stubborn adherence to a bad scheme, but also not having particularly good talent to run that scheme. Cause that was an incredibly effective scheme when you had, you know, when Bob Sutton was out there in New York and he had, you know, Darrell Rivas locking down one half of the field. So the scheme can work, but it certainly did not work with the talent at hand. Out of the three, three, six, Michael in North Carolina, why is the national media so down on the chiefs every year? They pick the chargers, why can't we get any respect? We've won the division three years in a row. Still no respect. Okay. Um, I, media market? What's that? Media market? Was, listen, mark? here's my thing. Because <laughs> I've heard a lot of people complain about this. A lot of Chiefs fans are complaining about this because, look, uh, predictions are just predictions. That's all they really are. 
Um, some Chiefs fans will say, hey, good, let them let, let us go under the radar. And some Chiefs fans, they want that national respect. Listen, here's my thing with this. Just because the Chiefs won every single meeting against the Chargers, uh, with the exception of the most recent one, losing by one point. Look. But what, nine out of the last ten. Yeah, but still, the the first out of the ten has no relevancy. I get fans love that kind of trend, that pattern. I get that. That's that's fine. I'm not saying you can't you cannot love it, but at the same time, what what started with that trend doesn't apply to now. Last I checked, I think it was Chase Daniel who was the quarterback in one of those very early games. Alex Smith was the other quarterback. Obviously, neither of them are in Kansas City anymore. Um, as far as winning the division three years in a row, look, again, what happened in the past doesn't apply to 2019. I still think the Chiefs are my favorites to win the AFC West. Now, Zach and I are a little biased, too. At the same time, we try to be a little objective as much as we can. Um, but look, I don't think it's completely crazy to say that uh, that the Chargers could win the AFC West. Look, who are the two best teams, win-loss-wise, in the AFC? Chiefs and Chargers. They both tied for the best record in the AFC. You hardly see that from two teams in the same division. So I don't think it's necessarily a crazy thing to say that the Chargers could win the division. No, it's not crazy to say at all. I mean, realistically, on paper, I think you can make a really solid argument, actually, with as strong as the secondary is on San Diego's defense. Oh, and then there's this guy named Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram across from him. Like, they're a tough defense. Oh, yeah. And I think that's understated because, you know, everybody talks about Phillip Rivers first in the offense. And, you know, I personally like to bring up the fact that he cries a lot. But that's <laughs> just my opinion. Um, and I think that, realistically, that's part of the reason, though, that I have a lesser opinion of the Chargers as a whole because I don't believe in Phillip Rivers. I don't think he's ever going to win a Super Bowl because realistically, like, he's getting older and he's never shown the ability to really come through in the clutch. That's just, you know, I think that that's pretty well borne out at this point. And so I don't think highly of Phillip Rivers, and therefore I think that the Chiefs are, you know, slightly better than the Chargers. Though if you look, again, if you were to compare position group versus position group, it's a lot tighter than I'd like to believe as a Chiefs fan, and that's that's just reasonable. It is what it is. Um, but I think you know when you consider the X factor that is the quarterback and then the coaching staff. I mean, the one thing that you were mentioning earlier, as far as about the question of you know does the past really have any bearing on the future in terms of like you know the win loss record that we've had over the last few years? I totally agree with you. It really doesn't have that much bearing. But like, when's the last time Andy Reid lost a division? Like, if you look at you know his record in Philadelphia and then here again in Kansas City, like. Dude wins his division with regularity, um, and that's something that you know I think shouldn't be understated either. But like it or not, guys, the Chargers are an opponent we should respect. And whether you know, regardless of what they look like with this whole Melvin Gordon thing, they're still going to be a tough out no matter what. I agree. Yeah, and the thing is, uh, I saw NFL.com put out a list of the top five division rivals right now. The Chiefs and Chargers were number two on that list, and I saw Chiefs fans laughing at that. I'm like. Why is that an issue? Because last I checked, they split the season series and they both finished with the same record uh, in 2018. They tied for the best record in the AFC. If you told me the top two teams would be the Chiefs and Chargers and not the Patriots, I would have said there's no way. But obviously that's what ended up happening. So look, um, well, it's a very reasonable case to be made there. But I also think that you know, as Chiefs fans, we kind of laugh that off a little bit because of the fact that, you know what? 
I don't get nearly as hyped for Charger Week as say Raider Week. Oh, for sure, Bronco for week. sure. Like, I mean, I hate the Broncos. Well, you know, I just have a little more fun with the Broncos rivalry because I've got so much family that's on the other side of that rivalry. So that's always been fun throughout my life. You know, whenever we get beat up on the Broncos, it's like, hey, what you gonna do about it? Uh, and then the Raiders are obviously the Raiders. Like, you either love them or you hate them. The Chargers have just always kind of been just just there. Like, I've never hated them nearly as much as either of the other two rival oh, I teams agree. in our division. I think that's why Chiefs fans look at it as, you know, you know, that's a ridiculous to have that be the number two rivalry. Like, it, I agree from an objective standpoint, but, you know, if you look at the history of it, like, we just don't care. But that's the thing. I think some Chiefs fans got it mixed up that it's not a historic rivalry. It's top rival rivalries right now. That's what that list was. Because, I mean, the Chiefs and Chargers, uh, they both won – on the other team's home turf. Um, and I think that maybe adds a little bit to that. And by the way, to be clear about one thing, when I say the past isn't that, that relevant, I think the only past that's really relevant is the most recent season. Uh, you look at how teams did last year, what offseason adjustments mm-hmm. did they make, and apply that to 2019. Uh, let's go to... On the rundown, I wrote 6210. Obviously, it's not a real area code. I think I meant to say 620. Um, Matt... Uh, I don't know where the six two zero is, but that's okay. He says, "Who do you?" Uh, Matt is the one who sent the text in. Who do you? Pretty think- sure it's Wichita, bud. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, who do you think will be the Chiefs' toughest opponent during the regular season? What AFC team matches uh, up to our strengths and weaknesses? Uh, also, what was your biggest surprise and disappointment from UFC two thirty nine? Yeah, love the UFC question. Um, we obviously talked about Ben Askren in the beginning. I was really disappointed. I mean. I was excited to watch that guy fight in person. Disappointment? I put 200 bucks on Tiago Santos in the main event against John Bones Jones, and that was a terrible decision. They gave the split decision to John Jones, which I disagree. Did you see the fight, Zach? Nope, but I hate the notion of split decisions. I hate ties. Like, all of that <laughs> drives me crazy. Like, I enjoy watching Sporting Kansas City. I hate draws more than Oh, I'm, I'm with you fully. Um, as far as the Chiefs question goes... It's really hard to say uh, anyone other than the Patriots because even though they beat the Chiefs by a combined nine points last year in the AFC Championship game and in Week 6 on Sunday night, uh, I think the fact is you know they've won six Super Bowls uh, with Tom Brady and Bill Belichick and they beat the Chiefs twice in two tough, narrow defeats on Kansas City's end. Um, It's hard for me to say... um, to say anyone else other than the Patriots. I look, I know we just talked about this, but I'll also add the Chargers in there too because you're they're in your division. They're a team that, you know, divisional games are just always much more intense. And the fact that, you know, the top two teams are in the same division from the AFC last year, I, I think it just adds to a tougher matchup for Kansas City. So uh, Patriots, easy answer. To give you a second answer, I'll say the, the Chargers. I was actually going to lead with the Chargers too because I think that, you know, certainly for the moment. I mean, I'm never going to doubt the Patriots. Don't get me wrong here, but I think they have lost more uh, than than the Chargers have. And I think that the way that the Chargers' defense is set up, like they're yeah, they're going to be an absolutely tough defense for us to go up against. And I think that it's important to uh, you know give them the credit they're due in this case. Like I think that they're uh, they're ones we got to watch out for, no doubt. Uh, and the other fact is that, you know, they've got a much more balanced offense as a terribly general rule. Like, you know, they've got Melvin Gordon at running back and 
Maybe none of the moves that I've well, that's that's fair. <laughs> Assuming they still have Melvin Gordon running back, I don't like the looks of him going through our defense at the moment. I mean, we'll we'll be able to see how it works with the four three being what it is, but uh, I don't know. I, I'm not super optimistic as far as the uh, you know our ability to stop the run this year, just because I haven't seen enough changes made. I mean, certainly within our linebacking core, like they're just really going to have to step up and prove me wrong. And I think that they, you know. It, it won't shock me if they do, but until they do, I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna write anybody above the Chargers in this case. Yeah, I know the Chiefs have historically been bad against the run, so it would be really nice to see that change. I like Kansas City's defensive line. Um, again, on paper, it's easy to say. Uh, so that is something that you know the jury's still out on this defense, even with some of the personnel improvements. The, uh, bringing in Spagnolo, who has a Super Bowl win against the Patriots, which. Chiefs fans are using that as excitement and hoping that the Chiefs can finally dethrone them, which even then, at the end of the day, the jury is still out on that. Before we get to our closing segments, let's go to the voicemail line. Enrique called in. Here is the voicemail from Enrique. Hello, Farzine. Uh, this is Enrique. Uh, just uh, was calling in. I haven't seen too many people call in, so I wanted to call in and utilize this. It's, it's pretty cool. I um, follow up on you guys a lot, and uh, thanks for all the hard work you do. Zach has been a, a good addition to the team, too. He's got some really good insights um, about the Chiefs, and uh, just like hearing about it all throughout the year, because, you know, these are definitely the down months, and uh, it definitely gets kind of slow, and you guys keep it up going. I appreciate it. Uh, my work, I listen to you guys at work, and you guys make my day go by super fast, so I appreciate that. Um, just want to uh, kind of ask you guys one question uh, I noticed last year at the end of the year we had quite a few people kind of got banged up I even noticed Tyreek Hill wasn't you know kind of going full blast so I was um, <clears throat> want to ask during the draft you know we picked up Hardman and some other players I, I want to know do you think that they would be able to make an impact where it could kind of take the toll off our other guys you know Kelsey was kind of kind of hurt uh, obviously with his ankle and um, heel and even even Sammy. So I'm thinking I'm, I want to see if maybe some of these additions can step up a little bit, if you think they can step up a little bit and take some pressure off the other guys so that they can make it throughout the full year and we can have, you know, everybody, you know, close to 100% by the end of the year. Cause I think that's kind of what hurt us also at the end of the, in the, end of the year last year. So that's, that, that was my question. Uh, I guess I just appreciate what you guys do and uh, keep up the good work, guys. Thanks. Bye-bye. All right, that is Enrique. Appreciate all the kind words there. Um, they like us. Yes. They really like us. Yeah, I, I always feel like I'm hated, but no, uh, people do like us. No, that's just Twitter. Twitter hates everybody. Yeah, that's, Twitter hates me for sure. <laughs> um, but as far as, he, he, you know, he makes an interesting point. Everyone's talked about how Patrick Mahomes has so many weapons now. You got Sammy Watkins, you got Kelsey, you got Hill, and you just drafted Hardman. And I, I know the Hardman draft pick, you know, if the audio was maybe portrayed a little differently maybe you don't draft Hardman but what happened has happened we can't go back and change it um yeah everyone's talked about how there are so many weapons but he does make an interesting point Zach because once you get to December when it's cold and the playoff race heats up and all uh and in considering Travis Kelsey's coming off ankle surgery you know this is probably the best way to keep everyone fresh moving forward Sammy Watkins does have a uh, a history of injuries in his NFL career and there's a lot of hype around him being a leader, maybe because people thought Tyree Kill was no longer going to be on the team at the time. Uh, so there's a lot to kind of consider about this because the nice thing about Watkins, Hill, and Hardman, 
they're all really damn fast. And Travis Kelsey might be the fastest tight end we've ever seen in the NFL. But until he is, next year, but yes, he is coming off the the ankle surgery. So you know who who who's going to step up? Uh, I know we've talked about Blake Bell a little bit. Demetrius Harris obviously moving on. Who who's got great speed too, but not the greatest hands either. So what exactly are you expecting? And you know by the end of the day, come December, number one, are all four of these guys healthy? And number two. Are they able to still help one another stay fresh? Oh, by the way, running backs do really well under Andy Reid, no matter who it is. Jamal Charles, Charkandrick West, Spencer Ware, Kareem Hunt. Now it's Damian Williams' role. Uh, Running backs just seem to do very well under Andy Reid. So uh, this is pretty exciting to think about, but no one's ever thought about the fact keeping one another uh, – helping one another and staying fresh going into into December. I think that's that's a vital point there. It, it's absolutely a vital point, and I think that you know you'll see. I don't think early returns on Mecole Hardman are going to be that strong because it. I mean, if you look at Andy's usage of rookie receivers over time, uh, it's their their first year is always a struggle, uh, and so I won't be shocked to have Mecole Hardman be similar in that regard. Uh, but you know he'll by the end of the year, I think he'll be catching on. Let me ask you something. Effective when you say struggle, because again, you've got Tyree Kill who. I don't know what his suspension is going to be, if there is one. I know the NFL is still reviewing that, according to um, the Kansas City Stars editor. But you've got you've got Watkins, uh, you've got Tyree Kill, you've got Travis Kelsey. I mean, Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill. One, Tyree had fourteen hundred yards. Kelsey had thirteen hundred yards. What what would you consider a good rookie season, considering you have all this other talent that they're also great players? I mean, I would say if he can manage to, you know, get over the you know even close to the 500-yard mark, I think he's done very well, given just the volume of targets that he may or may not have. Um, I mean, if he can get to 500 yards and run back a couple of kicks, I think, you know, we'll call that a really solid rookie season for Michael Hardman. That's fair. I think that, you know, really where the depth is going to play out is at the running back position. I think we've actually quietly got a very strong running back core. I think Damian Williams can do fairly well, and regardless of whether or not he can sustain it over 16 games, even if he can't and he does get a little bit dinged up, I think you'll see uh, you know, Carlos Hyde, who has, I mean, at least when he was at Ohio State, he was incredibly dynamic back. Um, and so I think there's definitely some, uh, definitely some opportunity for him there. Uh, and I think that, you know, Darwin Thompson, I mean, I know we had somebody's hot take not too long ago. Uh, saying that he was going to lead the league in rushing. Which there are more Darwin awesome. Thompson hot takes on the way, by the way. Spoiler alert. Oh, boy. I'm excited for it. But, you know, I think that's the obviously the position that you have to have depth the most. And uh, I think that the Chiefs are very well constructed for that. And I think that you'll see you'll see Carlos Hyde step up for sure. And then I think Demarcus Robinson can't be understated either, his importance to the wideout core. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, he doesn't have much of an injury history. No. Um, he just hasn't played a whole lot. Right. And so I think that, you know, he'll, I think he'll have himself a pretty solid year as well. Yeah, it's a really fun thing to think about with this offense. And, you know, uh, look at the slow start against Seattle. Look at both of the slow starts against the Patriots. And, you know, could that have prevented the, I I know the D4 thing happened, but there were other factors as well. It's like, can adding Hardman and trying to keep one another healthy and fresh because there are so many options for Mahomes is that really going to be the difference maker moving forward? And you know, if if you can just have an average defense 
you know, you you almost made it to a Super Bowl with a terrible defense, and here you are now. Seems like you're going to be better, and this offense it it, it can only. I mean, I don't want to say it can only get better because it's hard to get better from being the third highest scoring output, but it doesn't, you don't have a reason to think they're going to take a step back. As hard as it is to do what you did, you're still going to have a lot of weapons to work with if you're Mahomes. Um, Honestly, at this point, the only thing I'm afraid of is an injury. I've said this before. Um, If you have a quarterback like Rodgers, Brady, Mahomes, uh, the only thing you really are worried about is is an injury to the quarterback, and if that's your biggest concern, I'd, I'd say you you've got a great offense to to look forward to. Absolutely, again, it can't be understated Andy's importance because he has made the most out of so many players. Like you know, when we lost yeah. Kareem Hunt last year, like you know, did any of us see Damian Williams doing what he did? I mean, if you followed Andy for a long time, you probably saw that. But you know, it's it's not unreasonable to have thought like, oh well. We've we've lost Kareem Hunt, who is one of the best backs in the league. You know that that should have been a much bigger hit than it was, uh, and so I, I'm not too concerned. Barring you know, I mean, Mahomes is obviously the most irreplaceable, closely followed by Tyreek Hill, just because that speed. Even though Michael Hardman has it, but the speed and the ability to track the deep ball very well, I think Hardman will learn, but he doesn't have it yet. And again, it's the combination of you know Mahomes' arm and Tyreek's speed that makes this tandem so dynamic. Uh, and so I think that that's yeah, if either of those two gets injured, we have a struggle on our hands. And obviously, if Mahomes gets hurt, I mean, seriously, all bets are off. Like Chad Haney's a fine quarterback, but like he's not Mahomes, and that's no diss on him either. It's just I mean, that's just know, a fact. Only Mahomes is Mahomes. Like you know, I think there's only maybe a small handful of quarterbacks that you can even consider in the same thought. Um, and so, I don't think that it's totally unreasonable to be like, well, yep, if Mahomes goes down, uh, we've got ourselves a massive problem because that's just. I mean, I want to say, duh. Yeah, you would you would think so. Uh, I I'm pretty excited to see it. So uh, that's why we're just wanting to move away from topics like Tyree Kill and journalism and just get ready with uh, with training camp. Uh, I, I do want to hear his side on all that, but yeah, we want to see the football side of things. Uh, I'm just ready for the season to get underway. Training camp, get underway, all that stuff. Uh, I, I completely forgot to mention all of this, by the way. Uh, first off, appreciate all the texts and voicemails. If you want to. Get in contact with us, uh, drop a voicemail, which I know not many people have used it. Uh, mostly people have used a text line. That's fine. Either way, 913-808-2119, 913-808-2119. I am on Facebook at facebook.com slash Farzin Also on Twitter at Farzine21. Zach is at Z Stegginger. So follow us on Facebook and Twitter and subscribe to us as well and share the links for the podcast. Let's go ahead and wrap up the show. Let's go around the NFL. Okay, we did allude to this a little bit uh, in the in some of the text messages we were reading. Chargers running back Melvin Gordon wants a new deal, or he wanted a new deal, rather. Then he told the Chargers he's not going to be coming to training camp, and he is demanding a trade. That is where he stands right now with the Chargers. Uh, look, I know this was a guy who was hyping up the Chargers, saying, hey, we can dethrone the Chiefs, but... Now you're at a point where you're wanting a new deal. I know he's talked about how the running back position has been devalued in the NFL, but I don't really know. And look, I would have to look through and and maybe read some stats and look at some film, but I don't know if I view him as even a top five running back in the NFL right now. I mean, he's certainly a top five fantasy running back for what that's worth, which isn't a lot, but (laughs) it's a little bit. 
I mean, he's not a bad running back by any stretch, but actually, like, I was looking at some of this as it was taking place, uh, or, like, I, you know, in, in following his, uh, you know, demands for a trade here. Uh, the Chargers offense was actually more effective with Austin Eckler behind, uh, you know, behind Phillip Rivers there, so... I don't know what that says for Melvin Gordon's chances of getting that extension and getting it right. Yeah, look, uh, the thing is with with uh, with all of that, you, you mentioned Le'Veon Bell. Would more players start doing that? I don't know. But uh, at the end of the day, uh, it's not a good situation for the Chargers. Chiefs fans will take it. Moving right along, the uh, Madden ratings for players that have a 99 overall rating are out. Four players got it. Uh, wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins, uh, defensive lineman... Uh, Aaron Donald, or he's the only defensive lineman, and then linebackers Bobby Wagner and Khalil Mack all have a 99 rating. No Patrick Mahomes. Lots of Chiefs fans were upset about that. Look, I don't know. Look, I'm not too up in arms about this. I'm sure Patrick Mahomes will be 98 or 97. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, I think he does deserve that 99 rating, though. 115 receptions and no drops in a single season. I, I think it's it's warranted. Uh, do you take issue with that at all? I don't take issue with any of those people being a 99 at all. Um, my one question, though, is just simply centered on... I can't remember the last time Madden had, had a cover athlete that wasn't a 99, or at least I just kind of always assumed that that was how it worked. Like, I'm pretty sure last year it was Antonio Brown, and he was a 99. So, like, I thought that just kind of came with the cover, but maybe I'm wrong. I mean, I, I don't think... Like, if, if Mahomes is, like, a 95 or 96 or something, you know, or, God forbid, lower then Chiefs fans probably have a fair reason. The other part is that it comes down to where he rates among the quarterbacks, too. Like, so I, I don't think it's anything to get too bent out of shape about yet, but, you know, when the game comes out, if it turns out that it's just an absolute snub, well, then I'll have something else to say about it. Yeah, uh, he was like a 75 uh, last year, so we know how far he's come. By the way, the Texans, no general manager for them. They fired their GM uh, the, earlier this summer, they're going to have four front office members split GM duties. Uh, I don't know if that's really the greatest way to go about this. Just have an interim GM for the time being, uh, especially considering you have that current contract dis- dispute with a tag player in Jadavian Clowney. I just don't know if I like four people handling those duties. You know, I'm going to borrow a phrase from my dad here for a minute. A camel is a horse designed by a committee. And it sounds like that's the sort of thing that you're going to run into with the Houston GM here. Like, someone has to have the final say. And if they do, like, if, you know, they have the internal understanding amongst the four of them, like, all right, you know, it'd be like you and I with two other members, you know, on one of our old shows. Like, you know, you were still the one who had the final call on those things. Um, And that's totally fair. Like, it just, you have to have that, you know, final deciding vote, especially in a room of four people, which, in theory, you could have a two-and-two split, which is not ideal ever. Uh, and so, I, again, as a Chiefs fan, does it bother me? Not really. Uh, but, you know, it's kind of fun to, uh, you know, watch a team like Houston that really, like, should be, I mean, I would absolutely consider them within playoff contention, even if they won't necessarily win their division because the Colts are really, really good. Like, I don't see any reason to, uh, you know, be too afraid of the Texans if they're going to have some level of, you know, organizational dysfunction at the top. Let's move on and go out of bounds. The biggest story from All-Star Weekend in Kansas City, not necessarily Whit Merrifield's play, but 
It was Bubba Starling getting called up. Uh, look, this has been a long time coming for him. He has struggled quite a lot. I remember they just bumped him up to AAA, even though he wasn't doing well in AA in Northwest Arkansas because they just felt like he needed to go on up anyway. Uh, but he has been doing very well in AAA recently, and that's what's allowed him to get the call up. Uh, it's been a long time coming, obviously, you know, a hometown guy, so a lot of people are excited for him. Uh, I know he got his first base hit recently, so that's good, but man, uh, it's been a long time coming. I know a lot of struggles along the way, but gotta give props to him for grinding through. I know it's easy to kind of give up and maybe not ever get that call up and maybe still be in the minors, but he, he struck through it and he grinded out, and here he is now playing in the big leagues uh, for his hometown team. I think that's an absolutely awesome story, especially when you look at the... Uh really all the adversity and injuries that he went through like you know to come out of high school and go straight to i mean not the majors but to go into professional athletics as opposed to going into college which you know most people do like that that's a massive culture shock to go from being like the guy like i mean i remember growing up in this area you know we actually played against bubba one year he was i think he was a year or two older than i was um and watching him go up against our varsity guys when i was a sophomore he was just carving through him on the uh, football field. Like he was an incredibly talented dual threat quarterback and incredibly fast. Uh, just, you know, an athletic freak is a terribly general rule. Like he was, you know, all league in all three, you know, sports, baseball, basketball, football. It's just awesome to see him have, you know, finally powered through some of that stuff and, you know, realize that dream when so many like, you know, for a while, I mean, even earlier this off season, it was looking like maybe it was time to, uh, you know, See if you can't go back to Nebraska to play football and try to pull a Brandon Whedon, uh, you know, in leaving baseball for football you know, at a slightly more advanced age in one's career. Uh, but you know, props for, props to him for sticking it out. You know, glad that he uh, and his family and friends were able to enjoy that awesome moment on Friday night in Kansas City, as well as you know that on Saturday when he got his first hit. Kawhi Leonard completely shunned the Lakers. Uh, he waited quite a long time to make his decision. And he is going to Los Angeles, just not the Lakers. He's going to the Clippers. Look, I'm a Lakers fan, but I can kind of respect the savagery savagery here. I mean, the Lakers were really banking on this move to happen so he can join Anthony Davis and going to L.A. But to wait as long as he did while other free agents were getting signed, uh, yeah, that's kind of a crappy thing to do. But I get there is a lot of Laker hate. You know what? I respect the savagery. And uh, he definitely shunned the Lakers on this one. I'm just amazed with the way that, with the way that that whole story went down. I mean, I think we even talked about this on the last podcast. You know, where I, I really thought it was down to the Lakers in Toronto. I had really counted out the Clippers because for such a long time, like counting out the Clippers was perfectly reasonable. Like there was no, there's no issue counting. Times out the Clippers. have changed. Times have really changed because realistically, like. I'd challenge you to find me two better wings on both ends of the floor. Like, you know, there's certainly more offensively talented wings, and then there's people, I think Tony Allen's still in the NBA, where he's just a defensive monster but can't score the ball to save his life. Him and Paul George going together at, with the Clippers, like, that's going to be a fun team to watch. By the way, uh, may not happen on this podcast, but for other jobs out there, robots might be coming for your job. Uh, so TrackMan, which is a sports data firm, they created this really cool monitor that was able to indicate balls and strikes in a uh, baseball game for the Atlantic League, which has only eight teams. And the first time it was used, there was no controversy throughout the game. 
Balls and strikes were called just fine. There was still a home plate umpire wearing an earpiece to call balls and strikes. He was told in his ear what to call based on the new technology. That way fans in attendance could know what is being called right there, as well as the viewers at home. Uh, the ball, by the way, the first pitch uh, called a strike was sent to the Baseball Hall of Fame and Cooperstown, New York. This is very interesting. Now you've got... A machine out there that's determining balls and strikes kind of makes you wonder what else can be done, uh, maybe in the sports field as well as other fields, where a robot could take over your job. I mean, I, I don't think it's out of the question at all to suggest that you know you put a little sensor in you know, either end of the football, uh, and you then also use you know kind of some laser sensing mechanism to uh, you know have the first down markers and then also for the pylons and stuff like. There's no reason that couldn't be a thing. Like, for some of those much tougher calls... You're I mean, thinking really technological here. I mean, it's part of the world that I've spent the early part of my career in. So, you know, I can tech nerd out a little bit. I'm no programmer by any stretch. I don't understand any of that stuff. I just understand that it's cool when it works. Uh, but, I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility. You know, anything that's human error prone uh, in sports especially, like, it's totally something that there, you know, there will be a call for, you know, some level of computer assistance. You know, video assisted refereeing in soccer. Like, I mean, you've got now this with baseball. Like, I won't be shocked at all to see something like this come to the NFL within the next, you know, five six years for sure. Let's keep going and throw our penalty flags. Odell Beckham Jr. is challenging Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers to a passing contest. Look, I'm just going to keep this short. I'm sure Odell's a great athlete, but come on. Don't challenge those two to a passing contest. Come on, those two have the best arms in the NFL right now, and you're actually doing that. Come on. I mean, if you can win, good on you. But if you come at the king, you best not miss. And that's kind of my opinion on this for Odell. It's like, if you can prove it, good for you. But don't you have better things you should be doing? Like, you know, working with Baker Mayfield to hammer out the Browns offense and have it actually be effective next year? Like, I think you should be focused on that as opposed to, yeah, I can out throw the two strongest arms in the league. Let's do it. Like, you know, go Uncle Rico style so you can throw a football over them their mountains. Like, come on, man. By the way, Mahomes uh, threw a football almost outside of Arrowhead. That went viral. That was actually pretty cool to see. Someone had a funny edit where Mahomes is throwing the football out, and then they transitioned to use Google Earth to show him throwing it out of the out of the planet, which was pretty cool to see. Uh, the world of technology we live in. Great stuff so you can see Coming online. to a Chiefs pregame hype video near you. This is absolutely hilarious. So a mother is getting a cake for her daughter, and she tells her it's a Mona cake. Mona, or whatever the movie Moana. is. Uh, Moana. Moana, okay, yeah. That's Moana. <laughs> I guess I, 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 you can understand now. The cake designer, however, completely misheard the mother, and he or she thought that it, the, the mother asked for a marijuana cake. So as you, I, I shared this on Facebook, facebook.com slash Farzivasugian. Uh, the cake has a pony. I'm not sure why, but everything else is Looks green. Like there is My Little Pony. Oh, okay. That's what that was, though. I missed that then. Um, but yeah, th- there is for sure a marijuana cake. Completely big misunderstanding. I believe that did lead to the termination of 
uh, the cake designer. But that is hilarious. I, I just don't even know. Like, I mean, out of the funniest things you can misunderstand, that tops the list. I mean, absolutely. So, like, that's just. And you know what? Well, it's a bummer that they lost their job. Like, recognizing that that would probably was not a you know long term type of position. Like, yeah, that's, that's a hilarious true. story to be able to del- tell in the future. Also, I'm just laughing at the fact that you know, you missed the My Little Pony thing, Fars. Clearly, you never had a little sister. This is why. Oh no, no, uh, not at all. Uh, not at all. Okay, uh, so we're going to talk about another Browns player on this segment, Kareem Hunt. Uh, this was a while ago, but we haven't had a chance to do the podcast since then. He was involved, and I want to be clear, in some sort of bar fight. To what extent, I don't know. TMZ, here you go. Uh, this is where everyone gets upset. They did obtain brief footage, literally just a couple of seconds. He is seen outside of this bar with police officers in the background, and he's shouting at someone. I don't know what he's saying or who he's shouting at, but he's shouting at someone. Some reports say Hunt was involved in some sort of a shoving match in this bar. Some say it was blown out of proportion. Some say it was with his friend, and there was some sort of misunderstanding between the two. Look, Kareem Hunt got the second chance with the Browns. He got baptized. He's getting all these uh, articles written about him, how he's out in the public telling kids not to make the mistakes he made. But here he is, once again, involved in some sort of altercation. Again, I want to be clear, we don't know to what extent, but what we do know, and what I know, is that this is now the fourth time he has been involved in something in the last 16 months where something bad has happened. Yeah, I mean, and it's, I think, really all four of them involved alcohol in some capacity, so it's certainly looking to me like Kareem probably just is, you know, uh, you look in, you know, watch pretty much every movie ever, like, Almost every group has that one guy who, you know, like, yep, he's going to have too many and we're going to have to figure out how to get his butt out of the bar before he does something stupid. Yeah, Kareem needs some of those friends to look out for him and be like, yep, better get him out of the bar because, I mean, come on, man. Four times in 16 months, like, yeah, I guess fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, like, just saying. Fool me four times, I don't know what that makes the Browns, but I'm probably not happy, so... Um, it's just, here's the thing. You mentioned his friends. I I don't know if he's hanging out with the same people as before. You got to start thinking about, you know, some of these decisions you're making. Especially playing the most dispensable position in the NFL. And, you know, you're at the prime of your career. Like, you need to be angling for that, you know, whatever longer term contract you can get at this point. Because like it or not, in two, three years, you're going to be in a Le'Veon Bell sort of situation where they're going to just try to franchise tag you, use you up, and then leave you on the curb. Well, here, here's the thing. Uh, you know, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with drinking as long as it's done legally and with limitation. But sometimes when you're even if you if you are doing things right, you know, if you go to a bar, someone is just there to cause trouble, unfortunately. Uh, that's just the world we live in. People are like that. So I don't know if this is really the best place for you to be Oh, by the way, there was a video of you doing something you absolutely should not have done, and here you are in a position where maybe you shouldn't be. Um, look, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with bars. I go to bars occasionally, but given Kareem's recent past, I just don't know if if he, if he should be at a bar for for the time being. I don't want to say what he should shouldn't do, but come on, man, um, you got to make better decisions. Yep, totally agree. The real question for me is, you know, is it? I mean, recognizing that sometimes, you know, fans are fans are idiots. Um, I mean, just people in general are idiots. But, you know, sometimes fans will, you know, step to players out, you know, at bars or something just, you know, to 
you know, you get a full head of steam when you're hammered and you start, you know, talking smack and you end up pissing off an NFL player, which like you probably shouldn't do, but people are stupid and they do stupid things. Uh, my real question is, is that the sort of case that we're dealing with here? Kind of like, which I'm pretty sure was what went on with Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, or is it, you know, the case of the athlete goes in looking for a fight? I've actually got you know, some pretty good stories about uh, certain former turtle-looking athletes at the University of Kansas. Uh, that <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. You might be able to put that math together. Uh, <laughs> they didn't finish it, KU. I'll leave it at that. Uh, but, you know, pretty hilarious story there. Uh, but in any event, like sometimes athletes go looking for it. Other times they just can't avoid it. Uh, and if it's the latter case, I feel for the guy. If it's... You know, if it's the former and he's looking for this stuff, man, just stop going to bars. It's not that hard. Here's the other thing, though. It's just there's no privacy. I mean, everyone's got a phone out wherever they go, and uh, you just gotta so be, like, you just gotta be aware of that as well. I mean, All right, final the segment of the show: Lenny Dawson or George Brett, if they had you know phones and social media. Like, come on, man. So many, you know, so many of the NFL or MLB greats of yesteryear totally tarnished reputation wise feel free to cut that the right side went ridiculously haywire just there all right final segment of the show our hot take of the week segment might be wondering what is a hot take exactly not necessarily an opinion that you're angry about or upset about or you're just crazy about but you have an opinion when everyone else is going the opposite direction you're basically going against the grain here uh for example you know i love traffic that's a hot take but to say you hate traffic or you hate going to the doctor or you hate paying your bills i mean those aren't hot takes everyone would agree with that but you got to go against the grain when we do our hot take of the week segment now i know sometimes you get ridiculed for your hot takes not on this segment we give you this uh, free space here everyone it's a judge-free zone you're free to give your hot take without without judging basically unless you're you have a terrible hot take uh, we actually got some really good submissions for our hot takes uh, this week. I was kind of surprised by that. But, hey, I'm, I'm happy nonetheless. Uh, Zach, do you have a hot take for this week? I do. All right. What is the theme of your hot take? Uh, it's actually Chiefs related. All right. Uh, mine is easily offended related. Uh, you right. can go first on your Chiefs theme hot take. Go ahead, Zach. All right. I'm going to say that. Uh, you know, so third round pick Colin Saunders, the uh, the giant defensive tackle. I'm going to say he has more rushing touchdowns this year than Darwin Thompson. Hot. Okay. <laughs> All right. Defend yourself on this one. So if you have the opportunity to, you know, if you subscribe to the Athletic, you may have already seen some of this. Look up the tape of Colin Saunders when he was in high school. The dude can move. Uh, and he's also a massive human being. They've used him uh on off. Like he's actually got a really good set of hands too. Like he. He he can pull a Dontari Poe and you know score some touchdowns that way. Um, and so you know go out and look for the clip. You'll understand where I'm coming from on that front. And we've you know the combination of his already documented ability to do things like this and Andy Reid's documented willingness to let players do crazy things like this. I, I think it'll happen. And it's it's equal parts you know thinking that it's likely that Colin Saunders will get a couple of gadget plays to get into the end zone and just not a lot of faith in Darwin Thompson. Those two things together result in that hot take. How many touchdowns do you think uh he's going to have? I'll cap it at 3. Wow, okay. I just don't think is Darwin, this... like I really don't think Darwin T- Thompson is going to you know, he might get one or two, but I don't think he's going to 
yeah, be that much of a difference maker this year for sure. Saunders is the guy who had that backflip that went viral when he got mm-hmm. drafted, right? And he's like 320 pounds. The okay, yeah. He's an I just wanted to make sure. Yeah, I do remember that. Okay. That is a hot take, sir. That was pretty good. Uh, my hot bit. take, look, I have talked about this before, but I'll say it again. If you are offended about the flag that Colin Kaepernick wanted to pull from the Nike shoe thing, whether you were for it or against it, you are just saying it just for the sake of political allegiance right now. At the end of the day, you don't care for that flag. Hot take. Here's the bottom line. Nobody even knew that shoe existed until it word came out that Kaepernick wanted to, to uh, wanted Nike to pull it from shelves. All right, because now people are, you know, for that flag, they're creating shirts uh, w- with that with that same exact flag, and there are people out there that are saying Nike did the right thing. People are burning their Nikes. What are we doing here? Well, I mean, what is the what is the end game to all of this? Like, nobody gave a single damn about this shoe. By the way, let me just say something. I guarantee you, like, a lot of people who are even discussing this do not even know the history of that flag, okay? Uh, I'm not going to go over it on this podcast. If you care about it, Google it. Because that's not what this podcast is about. But people are just now, like, listen, Colin Kaepernick, what he did, I get it. It's a political thing. Uh, People who are on the left, they agree with him. And they're also happy that he asked for Nike to pull the shoe out. If you're on the right, you're angry he kneeled for the anthem, and you love the flag simply because it's different from Colin Kaepernick's stance. That's all this is at the end of the day. That is my hot take. No, I think you're you're on the money with that. For me, the issue with this is like, so, I mean, it's correct me if I'm wrong here. I may have misunderstood some of this controversy because, to be honest, whenever I see stuff like this, I'm just kind of, I mean, I don't say I don't look at it. I just, like, don't dive too deep into it because, realistically, people are going to see what they want to see with things, and that's that. Um, I mean, it was just a Betsy Ross's original 13 flag, right? Like, Yes. And so... It was, like, on the back of the shoe. Right. It was just, like, the little tag. So, like, that's one thing, too, that I thought was kind of funny. It's, like, it's just a tiny little thing to, like, create such a massive controversy. But also, like, I mean, we all recognize, you know, the original you know, national sin of America being slavery and racism and what it was like in no way does, do I think that that flag condones that in any manner. And so I think it's kind of ridiculous to, you know, just automatically write that off as like, Oh, well it was from a historical time period where that was a thing. It's like, I mean, I get it to a level, but also like there's way more. We should be using our energy for other battles, not this no, one. No, I agree. Like, that's just it's, my opinion. But we have we have bigger fish to fry in this country. Exactly uh, but, right. Uh, like, I don't why know. Like we put that you know energy to work on something you know useful. I mean, like, people are burning. Shoot? People are angry with Home Depot. They're boycotting Home Depot. Uh, th- those are people on the left side. Uh, people on the right side, they're canceling Netflix because Obama's producing. I, I didn't realize Obama was producing all of Netflix that made you want to cancel. It's like, eventually we're going to boycott everything and we're just going to be not even participating in society in general, which I don't know. I Like I said, what are we doing here? I don't know. Uh, I really I think it'll swing back know. eventually. At least I keep telling myself that because otherwise someone needs to stop the ride. I'm ready to get off. Uh, real quickly, let's read some of these hot takes because I know it's been a long podcast. So let's uh, rapid fire through some of these. Uh, 
Chiefs fan Chicago tweeted, uh, by the way, we got some good tweets here. Darwin Thompson has a substantial role in the Chiefs offense by week eight. Hot take. Yet another Darwin Thompson hot take we've had. Brian uh, uh, Thomas, who goes by Six Gun 8 on Twitter. Tyreek Hill is innocent and unsuspended. I, I, I think he means not suspended, but okay. Hot All right. take. Uh, that hot, that's a hot take for sure. This is for sure a hot take. Anthony Stratton, who uh, runs the uh, website Arrowhead Guys. Chris Jones will not be extended this year. Where you born on the sun is damn hot. All right, I, I I'll, I'll be honest. I'm getting more and more pessimistic about that. Daniel That's a Harms, really hot take. Yes, very hot. Uh, Daniel Harms, also from Arrowhead, guys. Nick Allegretti is the starting center by week four. Okay. All right. Interesting. Uh, Let's take those one at a time, man. Like that's a, or are there more? Uh, a couple more. Uh, Slim Chief in says Sammy Watkins will play 16 games this season. Hot I like that. Up for that. Um, let me quickly go over to Facebook, facebook.com slash Farzine Vesugia. This is a good batch of hot takes this week, Zach. I like it. Um, that means we're getting the engagement we want out of this. Oh yeah. I think they all felt bad because I didn't have a good hot take last week. So they're like, all right, we better help. Jeremy said Darwin Thompson will be the workhorse, lead the running backs this year. Hot take. Uh, I mean, I don't even know if it's a hot take anymore. Everyone now seems to think this. Um, I mean, Matthew, except for except for me. Matthew says the Chiefs defense will be ranked in the top ten. That was not a hot take of mine. That was just a take. I know that's uh, something I said you disagree hot with. Hot take. I mean, I hope you're right. I just don't think you're right. That's the difference. Uh, like, last, I think they're going to land between 11 and 15. Last one from uh, Facebook. Sean, Gronk retirement is fake news. He announced it to avoid drug tests and will return to the team by week 10. Hot take. That wouldn't shock me for a minute, though. Don't think that he's not going to like still get drug tested upon his return. Like, I don't think Gronk's ready to just you know sit back and just party. Like, I think he's gonna. Yeah, he he's not done yet. He's gonna play again this year for sure. If you want to submit a, a a hot take, uh, you can text us. You can let us know on social media: Facebook.com/slash/FarzineVisugian, Twitter.com/slash/FarzineT21. Zach is at Z Steginga, and the number nine one three eight zero eight. Two one one nine, and make sure you are subscribed to the podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and Podbean. A big thanks to all of you guys for downloading and listening to the podcast. I know we covered a lot on this episode, very long episode, so I appreciate all of you who tuned in, downloaded, and listened to all of it. We will be back not this Thursday, but next Thursday as we get closer and closer to training camp. We'll talk about potential training camp battles and. Have an early look at the Chiefs 2019 schedule. All of that and much more next week. Enjoy the rest of your week. Talk to you next week.